Hello and welcome to Radio Free Nintendo. It is August 29th, 2019, and this is episode 637. And John is not here to pretend like I didn't know what episode number it was because he seems to think that I'm like some like child Unreliable. incapable of like, he can't talk about reliability. <laughs> John Lindemann cannot talk. I mean, this is the man who, for a long time, when we would make up reasons why he's not here, like I would say he's been abducted by aliens, or conversely, he is aliens and is abducting people. Um, he would not even listen, would claim he listened, and then I would have to come up with increasingly insane reasons why he's not here to test if he actually listened. Eventually, he just admitted to not listening. So, you know, unreliable. John Unreliable Lindemann. Um, he is out right now. We do not know when he will return. He may return later in this episode. He may not. This is the this is the true danger of John. He may he return is, in the living daylight. So I was going to compare him know. to the shark from Jaws, who consistently <laughs> returns. <laughs> is it the Even same one, go, though? I, I thought it was, like, familial. Well, like, only you know, only shark, in Jaws the Revenge. Yeah, it's the shark's cousin, and it's got a beef. <laughs> Is that an actual thing? Yes, they, actually. I don't, I don't know if it's literally that, but it's, yeah. It is called so, the revenge for a reason, sadly. Yes, the, the, shark, mm. the shark wants revenge. That is, that is the plot of, of Jaws the Revenge. It, it, it couldn't be the humans wanting the revenge. It was the shark. Out no. Yeah, it, could, it couldn't be. Well, no. You might say humans wanting revenge on shark kind sounds kind of dumb, but it's not as dumb as what's actually in the movie. Because I want to make it clear... The the while the shark doesn't talk to tell us that I am interested in revenge, which would be amazing. Um and, and to be fair, not that far from where that movie ends up. Yeah. Um, well also kind of bit Jurassic Part Three. You know, maybe yeah, well, maybe but, they could have had like some sort of like shark voice box flute to like blow into and then they could have conversed with it and worked out their differences peacefully. The shark does, in fact, um, follow an airplane, which you might wonder, how would he know to follow an airplane? The answer is, stop asking questions. It's got, they've got uh, great senses of smell, I've heard. Maybe there was just like little drops of blood coming off the tail, and that's all he plane. needed. But he follows the plane all the way from New England to, what is it, the Bahamas? Something which is like not that. close. Yeah. These are not close places. <laughs> um, to pursue the family, not even the man, of the... Is the sheriff, right? Who kills... Shida, yeah. Yeah. And then you just have his wife, his widow, who's consistently telling us that the sharks are coming for them and that they're out for revenge, that the family shouldn't be near the water. So they go on vacation in the Bahamas. Um, This is the ultimate case of the movie needed to happen. So let's make plot reasons for movie to happen. And also, Michael Caine needed a new house. And he will openly tell you he did this movie because he needed a new house. Um, So... Props for him, I suppose. Um, and if you think I'm lying about any of this, one, fuck you. That's not nice. Two, I'm not. I'm also joined today by Mr. Guillaume Vayette. Hey, I kind of lost uh, what we're talking about here, but that's we're fine. We're talking about the uh, the frailty of the human position. I think uh, we was just talking about the fact that James, despite all his efforts to come up with something really silly for why John is absent, still has not worked up to Jaws the Revenge yet. 
I mean, I could say that J- that John is swimming to find his nemesis for revenge, who is currently in an airplane. But I don't think John has that kind of brushstroke skill. So I'm just going to say that he probably couldn't keep up, even if it is just a Cessna. Which, by the I, way, I, they think, force- I think you've got to question the level of commitment, to be honest. Well, you'd, I think, mean, you'd think that the reason that he shaves his entire body is to go faster in the water, <laughs> but actually no one knows why he does it. He just enjoys it. I don't I, uh, know. It's a I, I was. I, I I was unaware that John shaves his quote entire body, and I could have lived much longer and much happier having kept it that way. But instead, I'm joined by Mr. Greg Lay. No hoy hoy, everyone. I this is worse than when we said he was at, he was out being a space alien abducting people. Before I realized how sinister that sounds. Um, this is actually sinister. So Guillaume has created an image in my head, and now it's in yours, dear listener. And you're not going to get rid of that. That's not going anywhere. That's going to be there forever. And the only person who won't know it is John Lindemann, because he doesn't listen to the show. Uh, it just proves there's no fucking justice in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so remember, listener, here's my homework for you right now. I want you to send us an email to rfn at nintendoworldreport.com asking John about his shaving routine. Don't tell him we asked you to. Don't. This is important. He needs to wonder why these all came in. So do that. That's RFN at NintendoWorldReport.com. Yes, I am deploying you for my petty pranks. And if that's the only thing this show ever accomplishes, I'm going to call it a success. This week, we've got games to talk about. And uh, Guillaume, um, we did our retroactive on Crimson Shroud last week. And we said we were going to try to get to the the fabled second ending. Um, I don't believe either of us were successful. Um, but it sounds like you made it further. I, yeah, I, I, um, I haven't been able to play as much as I wanted to, which is like, uh, what else is new? But, um, I did finish the, the, the game actually as we were finish, finishing recording, uh, the episode, which tells you maybe why I missed, apparently, according to Dr. Jonathan, Jonathan Metz, why I miss you, James, uh, apparently pronouncing Jacques' name Jocks. Several times. Uh, he says he's not making it up that you said Jacques as if like it was spelled correctly with the S and that you were pronouncing the S, which is silent. Um, and apparently I was supposed to call you out on it, so and I didn't. So I'm sorry that I, I failed everyone. I think um, I, you, you, you edited this, right? But it's yeah. not spelled correctly. You so should be a better... It's not spelled correctly, but there's no silent S at the end or otherwise, you know? Yeah, and you edited it, so I feel like you're on pretty firm ground here. Well, I um. Do 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 you really want to know just how much the editing as a an institution has uh, fallen, or you know, like nobody believes in institutions anymore anyway. (laughs) What what does it matter? Burn it all down. Let's say that the 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 process sometimes of editing uh, is uh, expedited. And we'll leave it at that. Uh, I I may just kind of jump around to where I think there might be a cough or whatever, and I I might snipe that out. But most of the time, um, yeah, I'm not re-listening to this entire podcast. But uh, ah, anyway, I I hope that no one really noticed. Um, I mean, the only person who responded was Johnny, which thankfully he's not here to yell at us about it for now. Maybe. Yeah. I can't say as I picked up on this live, but obviously it's not the same. Yeah, we get the Skype uh, 
you know, quality um, right. audio we live. Talk over as each other. And... Yeah, all that good stuff. So, but still. That's a weird one. Yeah, I won't but, deny but, it. I, like, I, I, yeah, I probably pronounced his misspelled name wrong. I don't care. Come at yeah. me. Do, we reckon that it was not only silent but also not present at I'm all? Just, so. I'm just surprised that Johnny, you know, sort of gave up the pseudonym that he used to attack you over prediction. You know, <laughs> I um. You can also send your emails to rfn and agenderoldreport.com to come at me for whatever other pronunciation bullshit you've got. So remember, shaving stories for John and James's pronunciation mistakes are now the only thing you should email that inbox about. Because fuck it, burn it all down. Anyway, so all this to say that uh, I, I finished the, 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 the first the game once uh, as we were finishing recording. And I played a little bit more than that, but I've barely gotten to the point where the, the, the game actually opens up new areas that you couldn't visit before. So I've mostly been playing through the same exact rooms, the same exact encounters, but slightly, you know, more difficult. Um, so, but but despite playing pretty much the same game as before. Uh, I'm kind of enjoying it more. Um, first, like you can skip the story bits, uh, but I haven't been skipping them. I, I've instead, like I, I've been trying to kind of, um, you know, look at the story a little bit closer now that I know where it's going, now that I remember where it's going. Like, okay, like, is this foreshadowed and, and things like that? But I, I do it much faster, you know, like I, I'm not, I was taking my time reading everything the first time playthrough, and this playthrough I, I was kind of uh, reading diagonally just to refresh my memory. So uh, it, it still was going kind of faster. Um, and uh, yeah, the encounters are, are much tougher, um, so that's a little bit annoying. But I've also discovered, and uh, we haven't really touched on that at all last uh, d during the retroactive. But um, when you go back, when you go to the very first room of the game, you, you kind of, uh, the game asks you like, oh, do you want to check out this tutorial that, that's here, I guess. And so you can uh, check out like some tips for combat and for dice rolling. And one of the pieces of advice is actually that uh, if you can shake the dice a certain way, you can affect the outcome. And I, I remember reading that when the game originally came out. And I remember thinking, like, well, I think this is just a way to make us feel like we're actually affecting anything when we're rolling the dice. Because, <laughs> Pre you know, press like, with the proper time to make the Pokeball catch. Yeah, basically, like, it's basically playing with people's uh, confirmation bias to make them think that they made something happen. But, like, what, what's going to. What's going to look more like a slightly higher roll of the dice than another slightly higher roll of the dice. And are you going to remember exactly what you did, what you scribbled on the screen to make that happen? I don't think so. But apparently it was true. And apparently the uh, the, um, the studio like tweeted out a, a uh, clue uh, shortly after the release of the game. So it's not like I could have known about this uh, when I was reviewing the game uh, before it actually, because I played it before it actually came out. But uh, the, the, I think that the clue was just lowercase uh, Greek alphabet. And so, like, if you uh, kind of scribble a uh, lowercase alpha or beta, etc., it will affect a certain die, dice? What's the singular of dice? Die? Die singular. Die, die. yes. Okay, so it will affect a type 
of dice um, in a certain way. So if you scribble uh, lowercase alpha, um, and if you do it correctly, um, because the, apparently like it's kind of finicky, uh, you, you, if you do it correctly, you'll hear kind of a little whoosh sound uh, <laughs> as you throw the dice. So there, there's like, there, there's kind of a confirmation, audible confirmation that you've done it right. But when you do it right, if you do the alpha thing, then the, uh, the four-sided die will uh, re- give you a one. So that's useful when you're rolling for a, uh, uh, you know, a bad effect against when you, you, want, you like- know. The, the fog thing we talked about last week. Yeah, right. Like, you don't want to be affected by uh, battle range or whatever, like something that affects your attacks. Well, you want to roll as low as possible. Uh, you want to do that move, you know. But it's only going to affect the D4 uh, die. So it's like, I don't know how people were supposed to figure that out without uh, the clue in the first place, you know. Like, mm-hmm. I, I never would have thought, like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to draw a, a alpha character oh. and then it's going to affect just some of the, the, the die, you know. Th- this sounds like something they put in for testing and then just decided to leave it in. Like, uh, okay, I need to test the game. I need to get through this crap fast. So, um, yeah, so I've been trying that. I've been, uh, you know, occasionally successful at pulling off these uh, special throws. Uh, and uh, I still get my ass kicked by <laughs> common enemies. Apparently, I'm now on the floor of the dungeon where uh, if I go to a certain room, uh, it's going to give me an option to dial down the uh, difficulty without affecting it, without it affecting my chances of getting the, the, the second ending. So as soon as I can get to that, I'm going to do it because I, you know, I want to get through this <laughs> as fast as possible. But um, yeah, it's kind of weird. I, you know, the second week of me playing it, like the the, the second playthrough of it in, in such a short amount of time, I'm kind of enjoying it more. Um, maybe because now the, 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 the pressure of trying to finishing it before the retroactive is gone. Uh, yeah, because I've already that, that's, that's how I played it at the um you know, the first time was like very gradually and it just, I, I liked it better in small doses that way. I, I think because I did play it a bit after it come out, you know, I'd heard people talk about it, reviews and all that. And it, it might have been one of the earlier times it went on sale when I finally got around to it. Mm, um, right. I think I had heard something about the, the you know, that the, there was a way to kind of influence it. But because I said it played it very much as a, a sort of bedtime, you know, before bed, in bed kind of game. I don't think I was ever really patient enough to, to like, you know, find out about these arcane dice rolling mechanics or anything like that. And you, right. still, you can still get through as at least the first playthrough. You know, it's not like a huge problem not knowing. I, I, I don't think, uh, it's that, but I guess it just, it just kind of fits in with the, you know, the kind of throwback nature of it a little bit in terms mm-hmm. of just having this kind of, uh, you know, this sort of hidden lore in there somewhere right. that, uh, you know, the, the, that, that you could only have found out from like Nintendo Power back in the day or something. Yeah. And also, I guess, like, so is, there's an element with the, like you said about the whole confirmation bias thing. We just think about people like blowing on dice, playing, uh, g- right. gambling and stuff. It's just like, um, you know, we say when games get remade, uh, sometimes that it's like a gra- or like a, a, a spiritual successor type of thing. Like, oh, Shovel Knight is meant to look like, 
like the way you remember an NES game rather than how it actually was, you know, that kind of mm. thing. In this case, it's more like wish fulfillment. It's like, no, what if your crazy little ritual that you did playing a tabletop <laughs> RPG actually did affect the odds of what kind of role you were going to get? Right. Yeah. So it's kind of a, it's a nice little touch, but it, it's, um, it's usefulness. So far has proven uh, limited to me, but uh, it's neat. It's neat to have. So I don't really have any more like big insights into Crimson Shroud, except that I'm enjoying it a little bit more and that I can play it a little bit more leisurely. And uh, yeah, I think that that's the case for a lot of um, games that you play with like a deadline, right? The like retroactive they... curse. Also, yeah. It's, um, it's just the kind of game it is, like I said, because it's, even though it's not that long, it's kind of extensive, if you know what I mean. You know, it's mm. like, because of the way it's stretching things out a bit and all that, especially like going in a second playthrough, you're kind of more forgiving of that when it's in smaller doses so you're not like taking a what is kind of a um you know a sort of sparse experience and like shunting it all together so you get all this like repetition and things in a short period of time yeah so uh yeah that's crimson crimson trial i, I hope that we, we didn't put off people from trying it out it's it's a good game and um I, yeah maybe maybe pace yourselves when you're playing I, it i think i think we are um, less willing to put up with some stuff now in 2019 than we probably were then. Um, but yeah, it's it's still a good game. It's just I think maybe we're more observant of its issues. And I think sometimes when we, when we do these games for the retroactive and we have to really just like mainline them, um, some of the flaws and some of the impediments uh, can stand out in stark relief that maybe you just don't observe them when you can just close the lid on the 3ds. But like I'll come back to you later. Um. If sure. that makes sense that because because we have to get through them um we can't dodge the the junk hmm. or we or we can't or we can't manage our response to the junk but also we kind of um it's easier to complain about stuff you know <laughs> like it's uh, oh, kind yeah. of, i think that we kind <laughs> of encourage each other to like oh and that thing when that happens isn't that annoying and like you uh you get uh I don't know, camaraderie. <laughs> you get like, I don't know, like it's a shared experience. Like it's a, uh, uh, like a, yeah, we went through this annoying thing together and uh, I don't know, it's a bonding experience. It's beautiful, actually. <laughs> anyway, uh, at this point, I'm, I'm way off uh, in, into the field. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the expression is, but uh, I just want to move on to Dragon Quest because I've kept playing um, the... Uh, the demo boy it's a long demo and uh i i you know i i've um found that um well at first like i wasn't sure if i was going to play it immediately like the dragon quest uh 11 uh, so soon after playing xenoblade chronicles 2 because i've read that uh, dragon quest 11 is extremely long i've heard you know people say like yeah it's 100 hours and I believe them because uh, the last Dragon Quest I've played, uh, Dragon Quest Seven, was a hundred hours. And when I played before that, Dragon Quest Nine, uh, I played it for a hundred hours, even though I didn't have to. But uh, you know, it's a long, long game, and uh, I've just played the 150 hours of Xenoblade Two, and maybe I want to change of pace. I don't know. Uh, but playing 
this demo uh, kind of uh, assuage, assuage my fears? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Good enough. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, assuaged. Yeah, yeah, they swatched your fears, <laughs> yes. So, again, you can send your pronunciation emails to rfn.org.com. Especially if you're a former host of the show. Um, uh, so, so, Carl, if you send me a pronunciation email, I will read it. <laughs> Please write, Carl. Um, the, uh, so, yeah, so, so I was afraid that uh, I wouldn't be able to get into such a long game and with such similarities to, to Xenoblade Chronicles 2 because there's a lot of, you know, in Dragon Quest games, there's a lot of, uh, uh, not exactly loot, but you do pick up a lot of ingredients to do uh, alchemy or like their version of, um, you know, upgrading um, items, like, you know, creating crafting items and stuff like that. There's, um, and yeah, it's a long RPG, so obviously it's going to be a little bit similar. You're exploring this gigantic world, and uh, there's certain similarities in uh, in the rhythm of the gameplay and the type of gameplay that you're doing. But uh, the the flavor of anime-ness is completely different. Uh, whereas Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is very much about, like, uh, Rex just like, well, if, you know, I'm going to fight for my friends, and uh, if, uh, you know, this enemy doesn't go down, I'm just going to scream harder, and I'm going to, you know, fight even more for my friends, and then I'm going to prevail. <laughs> and that's the kind of, so, you know... <laughs> so you, you laugh, sir, but, but I have that's... absolutely screamed harder in the gym and gotten that last rep off. It works. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Especially if you have a trans-dimensional demi-human sword person as your best friend slash girlfriend. Plan A, sure. fight Who, for your friends. Who's also got like a twin sister or something. <laughs> Plan B, fight harder. <laughs> <laughs> Plan C, just keep fighting harder and quote louder. <laughs> yeah, he, so, so. he would be a terrible coach. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> what are you kidding? We're talking about. He would basically be every coach. College no, he's a, he's coach. A, He's a strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, That's maybe. What he is. Yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah, I'm just saying. When your body gives out, just push harder. <laughs> uh, so that said, you know, so Xenoblade Two is its own thing. It's very anime, like current anime, I guess. And there's some angstiness. There's some, you know, although I, I would describe Final Fantasy as more angsty as a series than uh, Xenoblade. But um, Dragon Quest is uh, the, the word that comes to mind is uh, wholesome, because. Of the series origins, I guess. Uh, Yuji Hori has said in an interview that uh, he wanted to. Well, he's compared the flow of the game, which is very much, uh, you know, like you get as far as you can into the game, uh, you might die against an enemy, and then you get revived, you lose half your gold, but then, like, you, you just push yourself hard to, to go further. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like climbing a mountain and then like you climb and you climb and you climb and eventually you're at the top and you can see the view. And uh, so that, that's a, a quote that I've read and a piece that was in the usgamer.net. Um, and it's kind of funny to read that now because literally the first thing that you do in Dragon Quest XI is literally that. Uh, your, your character and uh, his uh, childhood friend slash sweetheart uh, are... Uh, doing this uh, coming-of-age ritual uh, in their little town. And so they have to climb this mountain at the periphery of the town. And uh, there are a few more monsters in the mountain than usual. So that kind of, uh, you know, uh, foreshadows uh, that stuff is, is going to happen. 
Uh, but they, they get through the ritual and they, they, they have to go to the top, other, uh, utter a little prayer. And as your childhood friend, uh, recites the prayer, she realizes like, wait a minute, I think that the point of this ritual is really just like to, to get us here at the top of this mountain, to look at the view and to show us the, the vastness of the world outside of our town. And, um, there is something really, as I said, kind of wholesome and kind of, uh, nice about that, you know? Uh, and it's not really the way that I would see most RPGs start. So, uh, yeah, Dragon Quest is kind of its own thing. And it might have, you know, scenes of, uh, you know, like tragedy or like, you know, like usually it doesn't, uh, pull back when, uh, everyone in a place dies, you know, like you'll, you'll go up to, uh, someone lying lifeless on the floor and they don't tell you like, oh, he's unconscious or he's seems to be sleeping. They'll say like, yeah, the, this is a lifeless corpse. Uh, <laughs> so it, it's not like it's completely devoid of, uh, of darkness, but, um, it's got this kind of optimism about it. Um, and, um, uh, so I've gotten far enough, um, that, uh, like the, you play as the luminary, the, this kind of, or the reincarnation of the luminary, this, uh, f historical figure that, that drove away, uh, darkness and demons in the past. Uh, but for some reason, the, the, the king is, uh, chasing you down and thinks that basically by being reincarnated, you're bringing, you're gonna bring down bad things. Like you're just gonna draw the demons out or something. So people are after you. Uh, and then you discover that, um, the, uh, the, the world tree, because of course it's the Japanese RPG, Yggdrasil is out there being a world tree, um, or, you know, God or whatever. Uh, so the, the world tree, uh, has like roots that kind of pop out into the world and, uh, you can interact with those and basically like you get these, um, uh, not as hallucinations, but you get these visions of, um, bad things that happen or things that need fixing. And you also can get kind of transported like to a time and place where you can actually do something to, to prevent or fix the bad things from happening. And, uh, that's also something that is pretty unique to Dragon Quest. Like the, the main story, uh, you know, can be, uh, it varies from game to game. Like sometimes it can be a focus. Sometimes it's not really. Uh, but in all of those games, usually you've got these little vignettes. Like you go from place to place or from uh, person to person and, uh, you get this mini tale, this mini story, uh, that you, you play through. You, you fix someone's problems and then you move on to the next one. And, uh, again, it's kind of, um, it's kind of comforting, you know, like it's kind of a, Someone on Twitter, uh, Michael, uh, said that uh, sometimes it's good to, to go out and, and solve someone else's problems, uh, you know, to forget about your own. Um, so th there's kind of that little uh, aspect it's an escape. of it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, at this point, I'm enjoying it very much. I'm going to be definitely buying the game. Uh, I, I'm kind of I'm trying to not play through the demo too fast because. I've got maybe five hours to go, but uh, there's uh, four weeks to go before the game actually releases on Switch. So, uh, well, good thing uh, nothing's coming out between then and oh. <laughs> yeah, no, a lot of things are coming out, but I, I want to make sure, it, yeah, that I'm not uh, that I don't start another game 
and and kind of have to keep pushing back when I'm actually starting Dragon Quest Eleven or, or resuming Dragon Quest Eleven. So anyway, I, I'm trying to pace myself with this demo, but it's it's very good. And um, one thing I'll mention, uh, Greg kind of uh, very quickly asked me last week, like, how's the, the the sound quality? How's the music? Because we've talked about how this version of the game ditches the MIDI tracks and, and replaced it with uh, actually, you know, an actual orchestra playing these tunes. Mm. And uh, yes, they sound good, but uh, it's not like they are any more complex or... The, comp- the compositions are fundamentally on change. It's just the instrumentation. Yeah, they are what they are. They are what they are, and they get grading fast. So uh, if you want to mute the soundtrack, I wouldn't. I would feel great about that. Actually, I wouldn't feel bad about it because as we, <laughs> as, we as we've mentioned, the, the the guy who composed these tunes is uh, an asshole. But uh, I think yeah, if, like if, it, if I if I, I haven't decided on Dragon Quest Eleven yet, I will be probably get putting some time in with the demo before I do. But sure. I think inevitably, if I had it and was playing it for however long it's going to be, almost exclusively in portable mode, that the music might be kind of fleeting. Um, yeah, you know, I mean it's like the the music in Octopath is fantastic, and that still was not on like all the time just because of the way I play it. So yeah, sure. it's, I am interested in in the you know in the music sounding better than you know some of the really quite off putting kind of experiences that people have with the PS4 version. But realistically, mm. it's not going to be a deal breaker, even if it is still a bit kind of. Um, Simply, it just sort of sounds like it's not that well composed for like, um, you know, music that's going to have to sustain like a really extensive gameplay experience. I mean, that's the thing when people go right. on about, um, you know, something like a Breath of the Wild being really sparse, but there's definitely merits to that approach mm-hmm. when you're talking about exploring a massive world over, you know, dozens and dozens or getting into hundreds of hours kind of thing, I think. Yeah. It's yeah. a prudence to that approach that I think is, uh, is, is, is you know, maybe people don't necessarily appreciate it like explicitly, but I think it actually does, uh, does the job well. It yeah, relieves just the repetition. A, yeah. And it's an extremely short loop, like in the overworld, the music. So it gets grading fast. And, uh, since you can see the enemies, uh, it's not random encounters. You can actually go and initiate combat mm-hmm. uh, or avoid combat. Then you, you can hear that repetitive loop for a while if you're just uh, trying to explore and not trying to, to get into fights. Um, and it's almost as bad, I would say, as, um, I've played Dragon Quest Builders a little bit. And what about the actual battle music? Like, is there? Is it just like one theme? Or uh, as far as I could tell, yeah, it's the the same thing as usual. Especially when battles can take a while, it's a bit of an issue. Something I've been, I I haven't noted, uh, but when I've talked about playing Persona Q2, it has a really cool feature that I just feel like why don't more RPGs do this except for it's just more work, which is always, the, you know, the, the logical the res- response. But yeah. uh, you have, like, an assortment of battle songs that are kind of just that mix in and out, you know, like, it's not just mm. going to be guaranteed to be the same battle song all the time. And I think if you bought it at launch, Persona Q2, which I did, you had, like, free DLC packs of battle music from, like, Persona 3 and 4 or something to, like, huh. add even more tracks to it and stuff. So, 
you know, even though you might spend quite a lot of time in battle, it doesn't get repetitive, and the music's very good in that game anyway. Um, but yes. yeah, it's just like, even if you've got really good battle music in an RPG, if, if you're getting into battles a lot, and it's just on all the time, it, you, you know, you might end up turning it down, however good it is. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, it's it's not great battle music. It's not only uh, always the same battle music, or mostly always the same battle music. But it, uh, as far as I can tell, it's the same battle music as uh, the rest of the series. Like they they seldom vary it up. So um, it's you know it sounds like the battle music from eight or seven or or whatever. Because it is. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's the theme. Yeah. Like this, so, it's been the theme since the theme was the theme. Like yeah, it, and I, I don't understand like this loyalty that Yuji Hori or the um, the, uh, the the um, sorry publisher has for for this guy's music. But the I, uh, I think that the series would be stronger uh, if they switched it up. I think I think ultimately it goes down to the fact that the fan base for this series is incredibly nostalgic. Like nostalgia is such a driving factor in this series in particular. Mm-hmm. That um, switching it up would basically be anathema to them. Like it, it's, it, it is the, the, this. This is how Dragon Quest sounds. Why would it sound anything different? That would be sacrilege. Hmm. Um, I know I, that uh, the the game released on PC and people modded uh, their their game to put the orchestral you know version instead of the MIDI uh, music in there and yeah, they, uh, they they got hit by I don't know like something happened like Square wasn't having it they uh, they uh they hit the um, the mod site with a uh, basically a stolen content alert essentially. Right. So, so, uh, I don't know. Like, if I had had the PC version, I think I would have replaced the music with some other game's music because <laughs> it would have been better. <laughs> but anyway, like, I, just to finish, uh, what I started saying, like, Dragon Quest Builders, I played that for a bit and it has the, uh, in the overworld, the Dragon Quest One, Dragon Warrior, uh, overworld music, which, I liked back in the day, like it's kind of like melancholy. Uh, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's a nice melody, or at least like I remember enjoying it back in the day. But so it was kind of a nice surprise to have that in Dragon Quest Builders uh, for like two minutes. And then soon I was like, holy shit, this is insufferable. <laughs> this was such a bad idea to, to, to put this, uh, the, the music of an NES game on a loop uh, in a like 100 hours uh building rpg thing you know so yeah uh other than that dragon quest awesome um so yeah i i I do recommend people check out this demo um and uh it's got um other you know it's also got like other improvements uh you know in this uh because it's one of the first HD titles that we've gotten in the West. So you've got all the improvements that you would expect just in graphical quality, uh, but also like in the, the fidelity and like in the amount of details, you know, uh, they don't, don't just tell you that the, the saber cub is like, uh, frolicking freely. Uh, they show you the, sa- the, the, the saber cub frolicking freely and it's adorable. <laughs> and then you have to kill it. Uh, so it plays unfair. Yeah, I know it's extremely difficult. Um, but also like it it does go, um, you know, like in in the series, you've always been able to smash people's pots in their own homes and, and, uh, 
just looking to their dressers and stuff like that. But if you look into someone's dresser, like the little old lady that you just talked to, she, she actually, you can see like, she's got a speech bubble saying like, Oh, the cheek of it, you know, this, this private stuff, uh, it doesn't stop you from rummaging through our stuff, but uh, it, it does like acknowledge. As it yeah, it does acknowledge that uh, you're not supposed to do that. That's rude. Um, so yeah, so it's it's very charming. It's very fun, and uh, yeah, check it out. Cool. Um, I uh, actually, Greg. Yes, I'd like you to go next. Well, I have been playing and have completed the multifaceted sci-fi law enforcement game that everyone's talking about. Vice Project Doom for uh, mm. the NES Switch Online. Uh, I've played service. maybe the four or five first levels. Uh, it's, uh, you know, the, I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get Astral Chain. The reviews came in uh, this week, yeah, start this week, and they, they're, they're all generally very good. I am so, some not so, uh, sort of convinced, although I, it's a little difficult because this, because of who directed it, there's so much kind of of the, um, comparisons of, of this game that are being made are with Nier Automata. Um, right. which is not a game I've played. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a little bit that, you know, like some of the, the, the more critical reviews, it's kind of difficult for me to fully appreciate, you know, and contextualize what they're saying there. But, you know, I mean, I've had generally good experiences with the platinum games I have played and not, not that they bat a thousand or anything, but, um, you know, I think I've got a pretty good, uh, the sort of rapport with their kind of uh, philosophy so should be trying that out soon because it's um well i guess it's been out for like a few hours as we record this. yeah it came out at mid it's coming out at midnight in your time zone of choice so for you it's been out for a couple hours yeah and it's like an hour and a half away for you um yeah. but um yeah so but vice project do uh, sorry yeah yeah, yeah Vo- that is its name it's just kind of three words together but yeah vice, vice project colon doom. project doom <laughs> yes so this was uh, a weird one showing up on the, the nes uh switch online service this month because it's not something that we've seen before it's not something you necessarily would have expected to see not really so i had any particular familiarity with uh you know before you know, um even though i took plumbed the the depths of the you know the virtual console back you know the japanese one if i had a japanese wii which had many more games on it and sort of different games you know that got released in the west and all that this is still something that's just like oh okay i've not really heard of this Let, let's give it a go uh and it's been quite fun now the first thing to mention is it really really wishes it's it was ninja Gaiden. like that is <laughs> like the, yeah the, but, but also I, I feel like the, the 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 kind of the weapon switching uh feels very much like a batman uh by hudson sunsoft no, sunsoft yeah, sunsoft right. nes batman yeah i mean yeah. i never did get to play that i i'd always read uh very warm reviews you know at the time but it was it was right around the sort of time that our nes gave up the ghost and uh we we, mm. we were moving on to Super Famicom, um, so I never did get the chance. And of course, it's not been like re-released. 
because it's licensed. Um, although that does happen, uh, you know, as we've seen with the, the Disney games <laughs> that got announced, uh, this week, but, uh, no such luck for, uh, for Burton Batman stuff at this juncture. Aww. There's always some new version of Batman that's not just like a, you know, it's not quite as they're, they're not like not quite as good. Well, yeah, well, yeah, there's that, but it's just it's not as faithful. Like you know, with those remakes of like Aladdin and Lion King, like it's basically it is a remake. It's like the same movie, but just photorealism instead of. I mean, it's even still animated. It's just photorealistic. <laughs> yeah, the, the idea that oh, this is a live action Lion King. I'm like, oh, so you had Simba walking around singing? Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you yeah, didn't. You didn't very, have very, a Lion Cub very, do that. Very gifted Lion Cub. But yeah, go so, it, you know what I mean. It's like it, it, Batman's moved on, I guess. So it's harder to, especially for anything to do with Jack Nicholson's likeness rights or whatever, is probably a nightmare. I think he made an absolute mint off that movie uh, with the various sort of tendrils of it. But yeah, uh, it's um, the selecting it's weapon select is a little bit of an issue in Vice Project Doom for me because I've said before I detest using the minus button for select in NES games before. I, I mm-hmm. don't know. We've got it's very nice that they updated it with, you know, a rewind feature and all this kind of stuff, but for goodness sake, can we just not remap that to something else? I mean, cause Yeah, no, it doesn't feel great because that yeah, that's how you switch your weapons and it's uh it it will never feel uh uh, I don't know. Will never come naturally to me. No, either. no. And I, as I've said many times, the problem I always have is that just because of a big, believe spade hands, I end up really hitting the the analog stick on my way there. Uh, you know, because it's sort of behind the analog stick on the left Joy-Con. Um, you know, so I'll end up like brushing against that and moving the character. Uh, while I'm trying to switch weapons or something. So it's just yeah, that that would be. You know, a lot better if if they did just give us the option to to remap things. But um, you know, and it kind of ends up like I don't do weapon switching as much like in the heat of the moment as I probably could. You know, I, t- I mm-hmm. tend to keep it more like discreet. Of like, okay, I'll hit this bunch of enemies with the you know, particular weapon, kind of finish that off, and then transition to using a different weapon for a, for another group. Like when I've actually got time to just sort of sit still and 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 press the minus button at my leisure. But yeah, it it is in principle very very Ninja Gaiden like. It's uh you know it's mostly a side scrolling platformer, not entirely. Uh, the multifaceted nature that I referred to it earlier on as having is the fact that you have like a a vehicle section which is kind of like a vertical scrolling shooter essentially and then you have a shooting gallery section um where you're using the cursor to fire instead of you know what would probably more naturally be like a not a light gun kind of section um mm. you know, but uh yeah, th- those are in there kind of changed up the pace a little bit probably like provided some like different looking screenshots for when <laughs> you know it was being marketed or whatever but the meat of the game is the side scrolling action stuff and it's it's not not only are the sort of interstitial cutscenes uh where you have uh you know little sort of 
character portraits and dialogue and all that sort of very Ninja Gaiden-esque, but the actual sort of pacing of the gameplay itself is pretty reminiscent. The way that enemies kind of jump out uh, quite a lot, uh, it certainly will remind you of it. But it's definitely not as punishing as Ninja Gaiden was. That's for, no. that's for damn sure. I mean, first of all, the main thing is it's not as aggressive with spawning enemies if you retreat, like, one step. That's always the harshest thing for me about Ninja Gaiden. Is like, so if you've killed one enemy and now you're sort of engaged with another and you think, oh, I'll just retreat a few steps to kind of stay out of his range, it'll respawn the previous enemy that you just killed and then you're surrounded and it's all gone to shit. Like, that... That is a less frequent occurrence here in uh, Vice Project Doom. Um, even though, like I said, you've still got some kind of cheap uh, spawn points and enemies sort of dashing out at you, jumping out at you from somewhere, either you know, completely off screen or another part of the level. Uh, but, you know, I would say in the main, even it's, it's not as hard as Ninja Gaiden. It's probably also not as kind of... Um, the movement isn't quite as satisfying. You haven't quite, you haven't got like the wall jumping or anything like that. But, um, it's, it, it, because it's a fair bit more forgiving, not just, uh, like I said, with the spawning, but also with like how much damage gets done when you take a hit from an enemy. Um, you know, and I guess the knockback is, is there and you will die from it sometimes. But it, again, it doesn't feel as uh, severe as in some of that, uh, some action games of uh this sort of vintage um it's it ends up being kind of an enjoyable trip for me through this kind of uh action game without being like particularly memorable you know like i mean bosses are present and some of them uh, you know look pretty decent you know for the pixel art of the day and the whole game you know looks pretty advanced for a nes game it was released in 91 so you know it was uh it was very much uh you know at the back end of the nes library and and was competing with you know, the other better looking games that you had on the system by that point um but the, the actual you know substance of the bosses that don't generally have like different phases to their attack patterns or anything they're pretty simple and once you get used to what they're gonna do you can especially like the the primary weapon you've got the sort of melee weapon is this like I guess like futuristic night stick or something. You're uh, right. It's a big staff. Yeah, or... it, it, it's got quite a nice. Like, it, it's short range, but it's got quite a nice arc on it because you sort of draw it right. back and go over your head and then come down with it. So it's pretty damn useful defensively. But the thing is, about against bosses who tend to be quite big, so you've got like a big hitbox to exploit, and this thing you can really, you know, if you just hammer on the button, you can get off quite a number of attacks in a small window. You could pretty much just cheese them, really, with you know, with a little bit of dodging, uh, you know, which won't require very complex pattern recognition. Because as I said, the, the attacks aren't very complex. Then you, know, you could just kind of go through those, and it, it, you know, it's 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 kind of fleeting and it's fun while it lasts. So it it it, it lacks the kind of exacted level design, boss design to make a really memorable one of these kinds of games. You know, the game that would be like you you've kind of regarded like some of the classics of the time are regarded, but 
it's fun while it lasts and you know like there's a few bits towards the end where it gets a bit more aggressively kind of cheap with enemies like dropping in when you're trying to like make a jump across to you know like a a, a small platform uh with a big pit in the middle or something like that but with the way it's checkpointed um which especially is in stark contrast to the end of ninja gaiden um you know like you're never that far away from a checkpoint early on checkpoints are really close to bosses which makes them even easier later on that that becomes less common but still you're never that far away from one so you know it's not difficult to kind of just pick yourself up and find a way to get across a particular bit of challenge even if it's you know a little bit just cheesing it because like i said there's yeah there's a fair amount of like health power-ups that get dropped as well so it's like okay you know i can take a hit here and then still keep going you know it's like it isn't that exacting it's not that severe or punishing so you know it kind of (laughs) it makes it more disposable like you know more kind of um pay a fleeting but it, it it does also make it fun while it lasts and i think that's that's the kind of thing i, I wanted to see on the the, the switch online you know, i so know it's... like p- people just um when, when the the these were announced kung fu heroes in this game like people were just like oh this is just garbage and i can't believe that the the service has fallen so far so rapidly but it's uh no actually like this is kind of the 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 sort of decent rental that you would have back in the day like it looks yeah. good enough it's fun enough it doesn't last very long but it's it's not you know uh, that doesn't matter because you're you're giving it back at the end of the weekend um and this is like essentially nintendo online is a, a rental store like it's, no uh, exactly. i mean that's it, the thing because like what's the upside to this model versus you know the previous models they've had well you know you're going to get a chance to play stuff that you wouldn't go out of your way to to own outright and right. you know like th- this this is one of those kinds of games where you know if people have been reviewing it the way they re- you know, reviewed or recommended as as we did on Nintendo World Report you know the virtual console games that were coming out you know it might have got a recommended for fans in our old um scale yeah. uh you know um, our or, very scientific scale yeah well i th- I, th- I think that was about the right way to approach it to be oh, honest oh i know but uh, i think a 100 point scale is the only <laughs> way to go but, like, why not go more ahead. granular guillaume I rate everything out of 47. I rate everything out of fact. Beat that. (laughs) This is five facts out of 6.76 recurring fact. You um, you might call it opinion. I call it the truth. (laughs) But, you know, probably would have got, like, maybe sixes or so, sevens or so, and you're like, yeah, well, yeah, it looks kind of cool, and people think it's okay, but, eh, you know, I'll buy something else that's got a more bulletproof reputation and you wouldn't end up playing it on virtual console or something like that whereas you know here you know, just it, it's the first time in a while uh that i've actually you know kind of taken something up but i've dipped in to various things but this was the first time in a while on the switch online nes service that i've get right i'm going to play this thing all the way to the end uh you know and it's a game i've never touched before at that you know like all right i played super mario brothers 3 to the end when the service like kicked off or whatever but i played that plenty of times uh whereas with this it's just uh, a nice little discovery it's just kind of cool to see 
someone like trying to sort of out ninja guide and it was like well what if it was sci-fi what if you were a vice cop and there were clones and you were stopping some sort of crazy green drug or all it it does the fiction obviously are you saying this might have been inspired by something the dialogue is naturally terse given that it's this is nes and like the lines can drag even with a small amount of text because of how small you know like slowly it's coming up and it doesn't have the panache of night obviously you know people might look at ninja guide and cinematics as quite primitive now but they are quite well executed for what they had to work with you know there is a certain panache that they pulled it off with that isn't really quite achieved here but it is still amusing just like all this like edgy kind of themes that they're trying to deal with very very briefly <laughs> um and it's it's a fun ride while it lasts and i just uh i hope we get more obscure stuff like this but i don't know i kind of feel like the nes part of the service is probably running out of steam right about now i don't know how much more it's got to go but they certainly would hope for similar such titles you know uh if in the libraries of other platforms if we you know do indeed as we kind of expect get to you know super nintendo or other systems sometime in the near future right like what was the um hopefully we'll get the magic of uh shahrazad which is uh the the rpg that people were hoping that cultural culture brain would bring back when they started releasing some of their titles on the wii u virtual console and uh kung fu heroes i think is a cultural culture brain release yeah unless i'm mistaken so yeah i don't know maybe it's coming uh i'm hoping that they get to that one before we move yeah i remember johnny uh, used to talk about magic of shahrazad didn't they i i yeah but that's about as much as i know about it but again, it is that kind of stuff that uh, you'd like to see. I just, I guess the problem is some of these things, you know, just too much in some sort of licensing, you know, like holding companies within holding companies, licensing purgatory to make happen, unfortunately. But uh, uh, if that doesn't work, then uh, Capcom release uh, Destiny of an Emperor, you cowards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling you out. You know, I. I'm okay with this. My my Capcom grievances make me perfectly happy for us to just have a Capcom callout section as is necessary. So yeah, this is a new section of RFN, the Capcom callout. Send your Capcom callouts to RFN and NintendoRollReport.com. I'm just gonna let people just start sending anything. Just fucking. Uh, yeah, just fucking. A, uh, to be fair, I feel like the the sort of zenith of Capcom callouts would probably have been some years ago. Um, you know, these days when you are getting stuff like. Uh, you know, these ga- Disney games coming back, and uh, now we've got the Mega Man ZX um, and Zero collection thing coming and all that. I mean, I feel like they're more responsive to parts of their fan base than they used to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but... Parts of it, yeah. Parts of it. That's that's the right way to describe it. Um, But not all the way there. So, yeah, you can send your call-outs. In fact, do. Send them. Let's... Let's see what Capcom's been doing to upset you lately. Um, Mega Man, Mega Man uh, X or Mega Man Zero and ZX collection for everything, because I don't know. That's cool. I, I've I've I already had the Zero collection, and I played ZX uh, yeah, so Advent. I. Yeah, I played ZX Advent, but not the original ZX. 
we did we did the original ZX for retroactive. Um, we couldn't do ZX uh, Advent because it's really hard to get. Yeah, I got a yeah. Japanese copy off eBay for quite a low price. Just a bit good luck, I think, really. Yeah, so it it um, I'm interested. Uh, like th- these games, uh, they put the work in from the looks of it, uh, which would make sense because at best they're GBA games. So um, they they would have to. Well, no, uh, I mean DS, ZX, and ZX Advent are both DS games. Yeah, I was referring to, at worst, their GBA games. Um, yeah, yeah, but, sure. Because those games look chunky on the DS in the collection. No, like, it's true. They, yeah, it's true. The, obviously, the native resolution of GBA games was very low. <laughs> so, yeah, blowing those up to, you know... Kind to of, 4K? Yeah, switch, switch screens. Uh, and, yeah, on other consoles, the higher resolutions than that, even, um, is, is, is actually... You might think, well, oh, NES games are low resolution as well, but... So low. There's like a weird um, point where once you like you can keep upgrading or you can keep upresing games that are low res anyway that you already had to use your imagination to get the details on, and it just kind of keeps the charm or maybe even enhances the charm. But somewhere around the Super Nintendo, not the beginning of the Super Nintendo, some but somewhere in there, there's a point where like they tried to go more realistic with the sprite work and stuff, and that's where it falls off the bridge. And, and then it's like, oh, this looks like shit. Holy crap. Um, which is why they would have to completely redo like Aladdin because the sprite work in that game is really impressive. And it looks, it looked like the movie on your four, three, 19 inch, um, television that had built in blur in the picture. Yeah. And probably this shitload of color bleed from like running it through RF or, oh, or yeah. even <laughs> composite had plenty of color bleed. I mean, SVDO is probably the best that anybody was going to get. Back then in the states, uh, yeah, and yeah, because I think you might have been able to do SCART. Yeah, oh Europe. yeah, we could we could have SCART over here, but we had other what problems. S- <laughs> I'm trying to think what a 50 hertz Super Nintendo. What resolution w- would it have been running at? It was a, it was a different resolution too. Super uh, Nintendo was well, I want to say something like was it two two fifty six by two twenty four or something like that. Did they adjust for European TV sets, or did it, they just it leave varied alone? by who was doing the game? You know, like, okay. some some usually it was just you know just to squish it down, black you know, borders, top and bottom. You know, so essentially it was still like oh. you know, you still had the the four eighty kind of lines, but you know on a five seven six display, so you had the you know, symmetrical amount of lines just left black. Ah. Uh. God, thank thank God we've gotten past that nightmare, and we actually just have agreed on what TV should look like. Because I don't think I could deal deal with that bullshit in the twentieth twenty first century. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm gonna close up our new business, and um, John's still not here, so we're going to assume he still isn't listening. So again, send all your shaving advice and questions to RFN and NintendoRollReport.com. Again, do not tell him I asked. Want to make it a surprise? Um, because he doesn't read his email either. So when we do an all email and all listener mail section about shaving, there you go. Um, so I have a review copy and I have to be somewhat careful about what I say because it's still under embargo. Um, I have a copy of Damon X Machina. I'm doing the review for Nintendo World Report. You, uh, if you go there now, you'll see that Don's already posted previews of the first two, um, mercenary or, uh, 
Mercenary levels? Whatever, whatever the, the, the level the game uses to describe its operators. Um, so if you, if you played the demo of Damon X Machina that came out about a while ago now, like eight months ago, it was back early in the year. Uh, seven months, somewhere in there. Um, this is, this basically, uh, that, that demo was basically the first two levels, but it, it, um, was really just doing like the start and end of them. There's a bunch of missions in the middle of each of those levels that it's been skipping. So like E rank and D rank. Uh, so I was able to, to get through all of E rank. Um, and I haven't done a D rank. The embargo lets me talk about up through D rank. So that's, so I'm okay, I think. Um, and if you played the demo, then you've kind of already seen, like, the, the game hasn't changed that much from the demo. Obviously, it's more fleshed out. There's more missions to start with. Um, and there's online play, which I'll get to in a minute. But the game still feels fundamentally like it did back then. Um, so the, it's, uh, it's, if you haven't seen anything about Damon X Machina, I, you're listening to a Nintendo podcast, did you get lost? Um, welcome to this Nintendo podcast. Uh, it's been in every Nintendo Direct for like two years at this point. Um, this is a marvelous, uh, published, uh, mecha action game that's basically anime Armored Core, which if you're wondering how can that be, Armored Core is already very anime. My answer to you is yes and. Um, it is a more animated Armored Core. So, in fact, it's got some Armored Core staff on it, which explains why. Um, Marvelous does not make Armored Cores. This is not an Armored Core game. That's a FromSoft joint. So, uh, I have some experience with that franchise. You, you, long-time listeners remember me talking about Armored Core 4 Answer, which I described as just confusing. Um, this is much less uh, complicated than that. But still, basically, it's the same idea. You are a mercenary who goes out on these missions that take place in enclosed spaces that are usually full of, um, we'll call them nothing enemies. You know, just target practice enemies um, who fill up the sky. And then occasionally encounter other mech-style robots that are much more difficult to take down, that are zipping around in space in ways that you don't feel like you could possibly replicate. Um, and as you kill them, you harvest them for parts that you can then use to upgrade your your mech and maybe zip around a little bit closer to what the AI is doing. So um, early on, you've got what I would call what the the game like consistently refers to as low low output performance great for learning how to control an orbital which is the name of the max uh, it's like oh okay so these all suck uh, and you get one gun and that's it and so you, you walk around the map with your little gun pew pewing at the enemies and doing absolutely absolutely fuck all um, a few missions in you've, you've harvested replacements for pretty much every part on your robot you replace the arms the legs the body the engine the head um, performance is much better. You're zipping around much faster, and you've you've picked up enough weapons that you can stock your your uh stock yourself up and start customizing. So, um, I'm playing right now with the big metal sword uh, that I boost around and slash people with, and then a bunch of small guns that I can swap around and a shield. Um, so I, my my default stance is a sword and a shield in giant mech robots against enemy AI, like you know. Because it's, I'm just gonna gun them the shit out of this, and so we're just doing that, and we're 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 slashing up enemies, we're throwing them to the ground, we're shooting big giant clouds of missiles into space. Um, but if you played the game back in the demo, if it, when I talked about, it, I was like, it feels kind of weird uh, because you are flying this mech around in three dimensional space, so there are enemies above you, below you, in all directions. Um, you can fly your mech. 
There's a boost that's temporary, and you can upgrade how long you have the boost. Um, that lets you go faster in any direction. So whatever direction you're moving, up, down, left, right, um, you will boost quicker in that direction. Um, that can be used for dodging. It can be used to close gaps. It can be used to just get across the map faster. Um, because you are in these, like, Star Fox 64 all-range mode kill zones. You know, it's literally just, here is a square. There is this ruined world that you're fighting in. And then there's just enemies sprinkled around doing whatever. And most missions are just kill all the enemies. And so you're just looking at your radar, going to where, boost to where the enemy is, execute them. In some cases, with guns that automatically fire and kill the enemy before you even get to do anything. Um, or deal with the regular enemies that are more difficult. And then you get caught in these weird, like, boosting fights where you're always trying to move the camera with the right stick to keep it pointed at the enemy. Because um, it's a soft lock. So the game will lock onto targets. But that really just, if you're close enough to be locked on, you're already very close. And it's, it's really locking on based on the range of your guns. So that when you fire, you're, you're automatically aiming at that lock target. It's not like I'm going to lock on at something from across the map and it's going to fix my movement to them. Um, your movement is still very much unfixed to your locked on targets. It's very easy to lose your lock ons too. Um, that's kind of my first complaint. I wish I could just lock on to a target and then just all my movement becomes relative to them. For the vast majority of enemies, like, um, and you could keep the soft lock. Because like I said, most of the enemies are just, are like floating targets that occasionally shoot bullets wildly into the air. They're nothing. They're not, they're not to be feared. They're not to even be planned for. Most of the time, my, my second gun, which just fires it, whenever it's locked on, it just fires. I don't need to tell it to fire. Most of the time, it handles those things. Or my missile sprays out into the wilderness. We'll just take down 10 of them because they're nothing. Uh, but when you're in a fight against another orbital, um, and they're and they're zipping around at high speed, and you're zipping around at high speed, being able to lock my movement to them would be a godsend because then I could boost and know I'm still staying relatively close. Um, so, like, if I need to arc to get around behind them, I could just boost and it would kind of arc for me because movement is largely controlled by a mix of what way the camera's pointing and then some amount of lateral control with the uh, the left stick. Um, that includes like going up and down. Like if you want to go up, you just keep tapping A, which is the the jump button, and you'll engage boosters and you'll go higher. If you want to go down, you basically tilt the camera down so the camera's pointed at the ground, and then press forward on the left stick, and that forward drives you into the ground, um, which can feel a little awkward. And I'm it's still you know I'm a few hours in, I'm still struggling to get used to it. Um, the game looks really neat. It's got this weird like very red heavy cell shaded look. Um, it's on this post-apocalyptic world that looks kind of Martian because of how red it is, but I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be Earth. Uh, and so uh, it, it's in service of this story that's complete fucking nonsense. And I, I honestly have no... I would say... I would play the game for about three and a half hours at this point. Uh, about an hour and a half of that was me and Don playing online. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, the other hour and a half was the single-player stuff. I would guess I've spent 20 minutes in combat so far these missions are so short at this point um most of this has been the game plot dumping on me and i'm, I'm using that terminology deliberately because it's not a real plot dump they're taking a plot dump because it's like i don't understand fucking anything at all it is it is complete gibberish nonsense uh, it, it almost feels like it wasn't translated that somebody just like fuck it here's some here's some they translated every line and then just shuffled them and then put them in the game as whatever order they ended up in. Here's um 
Oh, I'm trying to what the name of your of your buddy is. It's like Jay Rich or something stupid. Like most most of them have call signs, but he doesn't have a call sign yet because he doesn't feel like he's been trusted enough to get one. And so he just goes by his name, and it's like my name's Jeff. Everybody else is like, I'm Abyss. I'm going to tend you to death. And then it's like, okay, okay, there, Abyss, you twelve year old girl. I'm not worried about you and your weird death talk. I'd like you to stop, but that's not that's not going to happen, is it? Um, or here's BG. What's BG stand for? Bigger your general, because he's the boss. I'm like, that's not even a call sign. You fucks. Um, and they just they just they just talk. Like they don't say anything. They just talk. Oh God. There's like my a, favorite kind of uh, <laughs> I don't know wordy but, RPG stuff. But, but like usually when they just talk, they know they're just talking. Like I, I feel like the people making this game thought they were telling a story. So, like, there's the scene where you've come back from a mission, and the the basic premise of the world, I do get this, is the moon just, like, broke? Like, part of it just decided to not be on the moon anymore and just shattered away and then slammed into the planet. Something about this, maybe this gets revealed through the the grand narrative, Um, something about this made all AI on the planet go fucking nuts. Um, and like decide they're going to be the dominant species. And so the AI have, um, known as immortal, a- AI robots known as immortals have started taking over all the other AI. So like your ring doorbell is now shooting at you. Um, and so all the, all the AI have this desert wasted world that's been destroyed by the moon strike have decided to just try to take out what's left of humanity. Humanity set up these like, these company city states i guess is the best way to describe them i don't know the game's not that interested in describing them i don't know why i care um and they hire mercenaries to go basically you know do exterminator because most ai that attack them are like um they're like your roomba with a gun like they're not they're not really that scary um Hmm. but occasionally immortals pop up and that's really what you're after because they're the ones who are spreading this like weird ai disease uh, but then even more occasionally, big immortals with robots the size of a city pop up or giant fucking airplane robots where it's just an airplane that zips around the sky and shoots missiles and laser beams. Um, they're bad and you got you to gotta deal with them. But um, sometimes these city states will also snipe at each other. So we had a mission where uh, we were we were doing extermination duty. And then right on the border between two of these organizations and the mercs hired by the other city-state, company, whatever, um, zipped over the border and attacked us. And they're like, why did they attack us? We need answers. And uh, BG, uh, we're, we're told, has something he wants to tell us. And all he wants to tell us is that they're going to delete the records of this mission. And your your buddy's like, am I going to get paid? He's like, I've deleted the records of the mission. Yeah, but I'm going to get paid. And then he just lists off all the organizations. They've all agreed to delete the records. There's, I'm not going to say anything more. Goodbye. And then he just he has left the chat. It's like a chat room. He has left the chat. He goes, "Oh, well, that sucks." And then it's the end of the story for that section. It's like, uh, fucking fantastic, great, awesome. Thank you. I'm pleased that you have given me that whatever that was. Um, the first four or five missions, it's just introducing you introducing you to the various like mercenaries that exist in this world. Um, I've been referring to it as the cavalcade of fucks. Uh, because all of them are fucks in some wonderful and stupid way. Um, you know, like they either, they're either like cyberpunk nonsense or they're like, um, 
nihilist nihilist teenage girls and her sadist twin sister um who are called like sunshine and abyss and um yeah you've got your hard ass i've been scarred by the military so now i just talk with soft spoken like about the the need to protect people and everyone's like oh he's he's the prince because he's all chivalrous he's like my job is to protect you can have my money for the mission if you're able to protect without me, but I will stand by to protect because it is my job. It's like, who are these assholes? I want them to not be around me. Uh, and they're your friends. That's that's the problem. These are these are the people you're supposed to know and love. And I look at them and I'm like, y'all, y'all are some messes. Every last one of y'all is a mess. Um, so that's the plot. That's like, that's how the game tells the story so far, and it's fucking nuts and completely unintelligible. Um, so I did play some online with Don. Um, I did the first mission, which I think is required before you can access the online. They should probably make it a few more missions before you access the online. Because all I had was that mech that, like I said, all the parts are described as low performance by the game. Um, and one gun, singular, that does no damage. Uh, that, in fact, the plot describes as doing no damage. Uh, and so I get into, we go fight the missions because we figure like, oh, what's the online going to be like? Maybe you can play the game, you know, multiplayer. That'd be pretty cool because it is like all these games have wingmen or all these missions have wingmen. The wingmen kind of suck. Like they're, they're not very good. And so we thought like, oh, with a human, this might be better. Um, I was useless because I had this no performance mech that could take no damage. It could do no damage. Um, Don had one that's a few chapters in. But all you can, the only missions you can fly with multiplayer, which is like two to four, um, online, obviously, because Don lives in the Netherlands, so he wasn't here. Um, are all um, base? There's local multiplayer too. It's they're all basically like boss fights. So we're picking this boss fight. We pick the easiest boss fight, and we cannot even put a scratch on this bastard. It's a giant robot the size of a city. Uh, it's from the demo, actually. So you played the demo. It's that last boss fight that I complained I couldn't beat in the time because I couldn't do enough damage. And the reason I couldn't do enough damage is, well, you won't have an upgraded enough mech to do enough damage when you get to him in that demo. Um, there's no time limit in in the game or in the multiplayer version of that fight. Uh, we still couldn't do enough damage. Uh, but I had even less fighting power than I did before. So... Um, Eventually, we just died because we just ran out of, of health. And um, you get shot down. You run around on the ground. You get to get out of your mech. Uh, you can revive each other's mechs, but I would get out of my mech and shoot my little handgun at this robot the size of a city and unsurprisingly not affect anything. Um, and then he would revive me, and then I'd get shot down again, and then eventually we would just fail. So Hi. Sorry. I... You were playing online yes. with Don. Yes. Um, I, I've lost. I'm not playing Smash or anything, so I don't even know. But is the voice app uh, still a thing? It, Did you it, even try to use it? It is still a thing. It is not a thing for this game. Huh. Uh, but this game's not out yet either, so maybe they add it. But I, I'm not. No. No. Hmm. Uh, so, so Don and I are using Skype. So, um, the, the most fun we had in our online session, which obviously being infected by the fact that my my mech was literally the starting mech um and his isn't that much further into the game he was he was a you know he's about where i'm at now i think um was was um not useful so the most fun we had with with the multiplayer was um it's kind of like it's kind of like old monster hunter where basically you pick a mission and then build your party online and you'd go out from the, the staging area and go do your business 
um, we're hanging out in the hangar, which is which you see in the demo, and um, basically you can that you can emote like there's there's all kinds of like there's like a chat like a the minus button brings up a chat prompt and you could pick you know pre pre picked phrases you know because you couldn't want the kids to say anything bad in your mech apocalypse game, um, and there's also mm. like emotes where your character just emotes stuff, uh, you know like point or wave or or um dance there's two dance emotes they both look ridiculous um or play dead where you just fall down face first and lie there dead um what we had the most fun with was the realization that you can clip through a bunch of surfaces with the emotes um and so like don will post video at some point uh once the embargo is up of my character doing play dead right off the edge of a raised platform so it looks like i'm just floating in space and my face is like screwed up or a video of him being like jammed into a wall where he's completely disappeared because the dance step took him out of, out of the world. I'm um, not, it does, it doesn't break the game. You can just, you, once you stop emoting, you're, you're fixed. Um, but it does create some fun images. Um, the fact that the camera is kind of offset from your character, it's not directly behind your character. It's not, it's third person, but it's like third person over the shoulder, but way back. So it's over their right shoulder, but like really high up. It's, it's a weird camera angle. Um, so, you could do a lot of dumb looking, dumb looking stuff. That was probably the most fun we had in the multi. That was probably the most multiplayer fun we had because we were so ineffectual in the multiplayer. Otherwise, that like we were just not having any kind of fun at all with that. It was mostly just us laughing at how completely impossible this was. Um, and then when we got to the plane, which isn't in the demo, it's just a giant plane that zips in at remarkable speed um, and plows into you. And then drops a bunch of drones and then flies up into the sky. And then four, the AI that you like, because this AI has not been corrupted, announces that there's some energy readings and then announces that laser, like something like high energy laser attack detected. And then a bunch of lasers, some flying out of the sky and just cause all kinds of nonsense. And she says that about every 30 seconds because he'll swoop in, slam into somebody and fly off. He's not vulnerable most of the time he's in the, in the, in the sky. Because there's a skybox that you can't fly over and he flies way above it. So you can't even get to him most of the fight. It sucks. Um, and then the fact we were vastly underpowered didn't make it any better. Um, I did want to say... That, oh, oh yeah. There, I did want to point out, though, that while the, you wouldn't want to let the kids be able to say whatever they want, there is, in fact, text entry chat, which is fun. Um, we basically played with the filter. Um, you can say piss, just in case anybody's curious. Um but you cannot say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It says, quote, this name contains uh, inappropriate words. Why does it say this name contains inappropriate words when you're typing in the chat window? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't think this game, this game is shaping up to be very good, guys. I'm just going to say it might have some problems. But yeah, anytime it tells you there's a filter problem, it specifically is saying the name as if it's when you do your name entry. And they just applied that same text to the text entry for chat. So, um Good work, I guess. Um, yeah, this is a this is interesting because this game should be in my wheelhouse. Like, it's got mechs, it's got mech customization, it's got all. I mean, it's got some like it's a it's a solid so far. It's a solid eight point two five out of ten on the anime bullshit scale. Like, we're up there. We're up there, um, and it's only going to go higher. Like, it's not going to drop. There, this dumbass story they've put together isn't going to get less ridiculous as they go. Um, they've already had the moon just drop part of it over it, like the moon is just floating over cities. It just 
and just fell. Um, like we're not we're not getting better, guys. It's gonna get worse. Um, so yeah, there's all that. So we're we're dealing with some stuff here. I will say so far, so far the music has been um cool. It's 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 uh there's some really cool music. Um it, I suspect it's gonna make an appearance on um on the credits once of this credits pff, on the closing of the show once it comes out. I mean there are credits. There is a credits in the article. They are there, you can read them. <laughs> I do technically write them every week. Um and it does list the song. And I've started putting uh, VG VG Music DB links in there. I'm educational credits. So you should read the articles because I put ten minutes of work into them. Um and I'm off target. Off target. So with that, uh we will have more to talk about on this game when it when it leaves embargo. I want to say the embargo is right around the time the game comes out. So you know, take with that what you will. Um so uh, we'll we'll have a review at NWR that I'll be writing. Uh, we'll have some video. Don's uh, don't think Don's posted video yet, but he did post impressions. Um, you'll find that they largely mesh to what I have said. Uh, also, there are two shops in the game. One where you can customize your body with robo enhancements, which again, if we're talking about AI going rogue, seems like a bad idea. And the other where you can buy ice cream, and everybody loves ice cream. So um, post apocalyptic ice cream still really good. On that, it is time to end new business. And when we return, we have a dose of listener mail. So stay tuned. We are back with listener mail and unnecessary pauses. You yeah, can send your email like most to, today. to RFN and com. I mean, I, they, there's a meaning behind them. And and honestly, when I'm what I'm trying to impart on people is sometimes you just got to take a little bit of you time. And so I took a little bit of me time there for that second. You know, it doesn't have to be like a couple days. It can be a couple seconds. It's just about it's about feeling good in your own skin. Positive messages when John's not here. So remember, you can send all your shaving tips questions concerns your bombs that you use because you, you don't want to get shaven burn that sucks to rfn and nintendo world deport.com and i can't remember the other shit i asked you to send emails about but apparently anything's game so just just do it um but questions is what we're looking for today and in general so you can send your questions because we're going to answer them right now and i believe that would mean guillaume you're first sure James writes, although props to the previous possession, Florida up four with 420 to That's go. That's the wrong fucking email. Throwing on their one and ten for a pick. Thank you. Thank you, Guillaume. I've got no so, idea what I just read. Good. No. That's that's because those aren't the emails. Uh, Martin writes, Dear yeah. NWR, you kindly answered an email I sent a few months ago when I asked for games that made good use of sound due to my hearing deteriorating. Thank you for the recommendations. Although I should say I have always been a big rhythm game fan anyway. Following surgery in June, I returned to the uh, to the hospital for my post-op today, which resulted in no positive news. No new positive news. Therefore, the concept of sound in games is back in my head. I pretty much play my Switch in portable mode, but most often I play sitting next to my wife on, or on a commute, therefore with a sound down. It's only been recently that I've discovered how good the Fire Emblem soundtrack was. 
I obviously have listened to the soundtracks of the big games, uh, Splatoon 2, Odyssey, uh, Breath of the New Wild, Breath of the New Wild. Where did that come from? Sorry. Don't, don't give them ideas. <laughs> new Breath of the New Wild. <laughs> Breath of the Wild. Uh, B-O-T-W is what Martin actually wrote. Um, yeah, and, an and acronym an acronym with W in it is terrible when said aloud, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, it's text only. Yeah. So, uh, he's obviously... I obviously have listened to the big soundtracks, uh, or the soundtracks of the big games, and in many, case, uh, many cases, have bought the Japanese soundtracks for these. However, for many smaller games, I simply play with the sound off. What games should I be ensuring I increase the volume on, either old or new? For clarity, pretty much anything that isn't a Nintendo release has had no sound. Many things. I mean, I guess that means Octopath and... And, yeah, uh, we, like I've already touched on it this episode. Yeah, mm. so that you could guess because so, those that, two are really good. The soundtrack on Octopath is sumptuous. It's so good. Yeah, I like that. I, I mean, I ended up playing you know a fair bit of that with the sound down just because sort of similar sort of use cases uh, to what Martin's talking about here. But um, you got to make sure that you <laughs> you check back in with it when you can because it's so good. And like I said, Xenoblade 2 as well is oh. just... Oh, yeah. But, I mean, that's a Nintendo published game, so I right. don't know if that would fall under the sort of purview of uh, yeah. the big games and all that kind of stuff. But um, something that's a little bit similar in terms of, you know, the, the Nintendo connection here. Um, but uh, perhaps, you know, again, this was one that I kind of... The way I played it naturally lent to me maybe not always playing it with the sound on, but I like the music, so I kind of... Um, made a little bit of an effort here and there to sort of make sure I did uh, hear it from time to time was uh, Mario and Rabbids, uh, the Kingdom oh, Battle, yeah. because you know, the, the Grant Kirkhope, you know, it's very banjo, uh, you know, because he wrote the, the music for banjo, you know, back in those days, but um, with live instruments, you know, it, really high production value, gorgeous sounding kind of banjo music that also references... Um, some Super Mario motifs like Peach's Castle from Super Mario 64 and stuff. So that's that that was really good and really fun. Yep. Um, if we're talking about stuff that's not explicitly Nintendo or smaller stuff, um, Shovel Knight has come up on the show a bunch of times. Its soundtrack is really, really good. And it, and on the same token, I believe, I think it's the same composer, um, uh, The Messenger. Uh, I don't know because because Shovel Knight's Jake Kaufman, right? Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, but whereas um, the Messenger is is not, I don't think. Okay. I thought, it, I the maybe... NES sort of the eight bit sections of the Messenger sound an awful lot like Shovel Knight, but it, it I don't you're, you're believe right. it's it not. is. It is not. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it is. Uh, my mistake. Um, yeah, the, those games are they both they both are going for a a, a similar kind of theme, um, obviously because they're both trying to create like new old music. I guess is probably a better way of, like a way of describing it. Um, similarly or well, somewhat similarly, not not entirely. Um, there is some really 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 nice music in. Um, oh, it's on tip my tongue now. I don't want to open the switch to look. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Val- Valkyria Four has some really good stuff. Um, uh, 
like really really nice stuff mm-hmm. yeah on the uh, on the retro tip um you know the retro style like uh bloodstained uh, yes. Curse yep. of the Moon, the Inti creates, um, oh, yeah. you know, demake kind of Castlevania 3 thing in the Bloodstained universe is, is really cool. Although it's apparently the, the soundtrack to Bloodstained proper, you know, Ritual of the Night is also excellent, but I've not played or heard it yet. Valhalla has a really good soundtrack. Hollow Knight, I think, had a good soundtrack. Oh, it's, Hollow it's, Knight's got a re- it's very, it's got a very distinct atmosphere because it's got, yeah. it's, it's got a very melancholy, you know, sort of hushed, but also has that, the sort of, you know, kind of moments of grandeur, you know, uh, to really kind of sell the scale of the world that they're kind of, um, portraying down there. So yeah, it's, it's, it's got a very particular personality that fits the game well. Uh, kind of Breath of the Wild in that way. Like it's, this, yeah. it fits this game. It's maybe not, it's not necessarily something you would just listen to. Uh, Kamiko, which is a eight bit kind or, it's it's not really truly it's like a weird eight bit sixteen bit mashup but not in the turbo graphics way. Um, that uh is kind of Zelda inspired has a really nice kind of chip tune soundtrack. Um, it's very short. It's got like four songs and they you will eventually grow to hate them, but they are there. And the Steam World games all have some pretty good stuff. I thought Steam World Dig Two and Steam World Dig have some really interesting uh themes going on. Yeah, it's got that. Uh... Morricone meets Metroid Prime sound yeah. going on. <laughs> exactly. I uh, yeah, I, I meant to check in my uh, list of Switch games to see if uh, so. I, I might I might throw out a few stinkers there. I haven't been able to verify to double check that, that what I'm about to say is actually like are these good soundtracks or not? But uh, <laughs> so so Karen has been playing a lot of Stardew Valley and uh, it's got quite a few nice compositions i I remember really enjoying especially the the winter ones one of the winter ones so that's one to listen to uh horizon chase turbo we've talked to when i talked about that game we mentioned a little bit the soundtrack and how um the um composer of like top gear on the snes uh, actually yeah. uh, just reused one of his tracks and uh updated it for this game so uh that track is really good and the rest of the soundtrack is really good and uh, there's an old uh, radio trivia or not that old like maybe well old but like three or four episodes old not that there's <laughs> not that many episodes ago but right yeah, yeah. So, so, although so, the new new radio trivia if if people haven't heard it yet, with Johnny is out now. Oh, nice! I, I haven't listened to it yet, but uh, yeah, Horizon Chase Turbo uh, shows up in, in the recent episodes, and that's that's worth listening to. Um, I haven't actually played yet Ease Eight, but I can guarantee you that if you like RPG music, um, you know that kind of stuff, like the the I don't know. I, I, anyway, like the usually the ease games have very good compositions, and I'm I'm sure oh, yeah. that eight is not different. Uh, I think I remember being impressed by Nairi Tower of Shirin, um, the, the the soundtrack. Uh, but that's at this point I, I don't really remember. But I I don't know. Uh, Breakfast this battle. I I, I, um, I mentioned that quiche uh, kind of weird, like distorted vo- computer voice song, and uh, it's kind of a bonkers soundtrack. Um, but you you can check it out for yourself on Bandcamp. Actually, you don't have to buy the game. 
Uh, and I actually, it's a, it's a soundtrack that I've bought and listened to because it's just so ridiculous. Uh, but it's also kind of catchy and fun. So Breakfast's Battle. Um, Monster Boy is really good, although it's very, you know, it's kind of, um, you know, it's very, um, it pays homage to the Wonder Boy series a lot. So if yeah, you listen to those. If, if, if you've heard, if you played like the, the Wonder Boy 3 remake, like you, you'll be hearing some familiar compositions kind of just in new orchestrations and, and things. But yeah, it's really good. So I, I was expecting you might say that. I think yeah. it also featured on a not too distant radio trivia episode. But, um, mm-hmm. it, you, you're talking about some of the biggest names in the business area, like, uh, right. Yeah. Uh, user Kashiro, uh, Yamane from Bloodstained and Castlevania, like, and, 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 and um, Sakuraba, you know, those are big names. Some, you know, like very signature style kind of pieces, some not, some familiar compositions, some, you know, kind of more distinct and just really rich to go with the, the very nice visuals in that game. And I think much of that sort of cast of characters is going to be doing Streets of Rage 4. Um, oh, nice. Because it's like the same developers and stuff, and of course you had to get user Kashiro for Streets of Rage, I guess, but they of did. Course. And um, you know, I'm sure that'll be a very different style. You know, it won't have that kind of lush, like fantasy. Where you know, it's going to be like edgy and whatever. But, uh, you know, I'm sure it'll be really good, just the same. So, yeah. as a as a quick. As a quick look, I went through our RFN outro music, which you can actually rec- recommend songs for us to close out the show with. I know, I've been on a run lately of of, uh, of us just doing it. Uh, not that I'm uh, claiming to have used every request we've ever been sent, because that would be t- transparently false, but uh, I- I'd-, I'd certainly like I- to hear more. I um I noticed a uh, couple, couple games that came up a couple times. Uh, Stardew Valley, I believe, came up twice that I've seen in here. Mm. Uh, which I know has a pretty good soundtrack. Undertale has come up at least once, uh, which that's that's a game that's largely made by a person, although the art is a different person, um, including the music. Uh, but that music is actually really well, really well regarded. And Sonic Mania, which we somehow haven't mentioned. Um, oh yeah, yeah that, that's got some good. So again, plenty of familiar stuff because the amount of the zones that is coming from you know the, the pre-existing levels, right? You know, or oh yeah, remixes of levels from previous Sonic games. But uh, yeah, there's some there's some good stuff there. I uh, I would mention also uh, because he said old and new um, Outrun. <laughs> that's oh, a classic. Yeah, the classic. Uh, I, I really like, uh, maybe it's a uh, Stockholm syndrome, but Pac-Man Championship Edition 2 Plus, um, has really good, a uh, really good, like, techno soundtrack, in my opinion. It's very catchy when you're playing, anyway. Uh, and last but not least, uh, if you haven't listened to the soundtrack to Katamari Damacy, you gotta make some time and listen to the soundtrack of Katamari Damacy, because it's I- amazing. Yeah, I don't know if I if I like that game soundtrack or if I hate that game soundtrack, what? but that game soundtrack sure lives in in me somehow. Yes. It's just it's just so weird. <laughs> it is, uh, but it's 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 catchy as hell and like some of the songs uh, I don't I don't see how you could not be in a good mood while listening to them, you know. Yeah, catchy music sometimes gets me in in a, like in a weird mood cuz I'm like I want you away. I don't want to be near you anymore. <laughs> um but 
But if we're talking about older stuff too, that I'm going to keep it available on Switch. Um, the Ace Attorney collection has a lot of music in it, some of which is very good. Um, although at this point, I'm I'm not sure what version of the music they've used in the HD. If it's still like the GBA music, <laughs> which at this point would seem incredibly bizarre, but it very well might be. Um, so I would have to to see what's in there before I'd recommend it. Just like, oh, that music would be great. Uh, because while the themes are very good, GBA music in 2019 on your Switch would be very out of place. Unless you're playing a, you know, a GBA game. Oh, one thing, one thing, uh, so it's just a bit of a tangent here, but one thing I did neglect to mention about uh, the voice Project Doom or whatever, it's no Ninja Gaiden in the soundtrack sweepstakes oh. it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's better is what you're no us. no that's not what i'm saying it's got some really it's, it's very shrill i know uh you know kind of I mean, old it's called systems, project doom because that's what, what you said about gba could have made me think of that you know but it was with, with old systems especially like when you're not familiar with it you know you don't have like contemporaneous kind of memories of that music right it can it can sound shrill but also there's just a certain artistry to you know, using the limited you know, resources that you had there to get something that didn't come across as, as really shrill and uh, Voice Project Doom does not manage that. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I don't know whether it's that bad or anything. And uh, again, it was kind of intermittent how much I used the sound. But uh, yeah, I mean, Ninja Gaiden's got a really cool... Uh, I, I like the, um, the, the, the unique sound that Tecmo games had on mm. NES and you can play you know the Ninja Gaiden on the Switch online service as well of course if you're a subscriber and that that's a cool soundtrack sorry I'm just reminded now you mentioned Tecmo but Sunsoft uh, also has some good soundtracks and uh, the Batman game that we mentioned Batman yeah. on NES has an excellent soundtrack or at least one good song uh, in that level that I uh, a lot of the, <laughs> a lot of the Sunsoft stuff had really cool soundtracks and like you had these weird things like um, like Journey to Silius, I think, you know, it's got a really cool soundtrack, but like the only version that I've been able to get of that is like the PSN version, uh, from years ago, like, um, which did not have perfect sound emulation or all that. So it's a shame that not you know, more of those games are actually available in like a faithfully emulated way because, you know, uh, it was supposed to be a Terminator game, but it wasn't. So. What you know? Why can't it be brought back more regularly as a vir- virtual console game or a Switch Online game or whatever? Um, yeah, I was gonna say that the Tecmo stuff. You you mentioned it, but there is a there is a weird thing that I kind of miss. Uh, it's mostly for radio trivia purposes, where like, oh, I can guess what publisher this is, um, right away because the the people who made these game soundtracks back then were the same people game in and game out. Well, and also just like it might be. You know, like, like Konami, for instance, especially in Japan with the Famicom, like, they would have, like, custom mappers that, like, other people right. wouldn't use. So it would have a distinct sound on that basis. And with, with Super Nintendo, you know, because of, like, the way the sample kind of uh, library worked and stuff, you know, you, you, publishers kind of seem to give themselves away a bit in terms of what kind of samples they used with that sound processor. So, you know, Capcom games and Konami games, Square Enix games, even when you you could say that you, for a fact you knew you were talking about different composers, still, right. the, there was still like a thread there that made you feel like, yep, yeah, I, I think I know which company this is. <laughs> yep. 
Uh, all right. Uh, do you want to move on? Sure. Move sure. On. Yeah. Greg, would you read the next email? Sure. Yep. Uh, so we have Ryan. Um, he writes, I wanted to bring your attention to a recently released game, not for Switch, sadly, that I really hope doesn't pass you by. James and Guillaume, I think, would enjoy this the most, as it's an adventure game, but I recommend it for all fans of Time Loops and Shakespeare. Uh, Elsinore is a game that takes place in the world of Hamlet, with modern English and an intriguing hook. You play as Ophelia, who wakes up on the first morning of the play, trapped in a time loop. This mechanic allows you to change the events of the play and explore a variety of outcomes. It's very well written, and it makes you really think about the choices you make. Hopefully, it does come to Switch eventually, but I really think you should give it a shot anyways. Uh, keep up the great-ish work. <laughs> great-ish. That's, that, that's probably fair. Uh, uh, I'll settle for it. Yeah, any day of the week. Yay, we're he, adequate. He, he said that's, it was PC, that's, right? It's above adequate, I think, great-ish. <laughs> did, did he make it clear that this is a, a, a PC Linux game? Yeah. I don't think he did. Yeah. Okay, okay yeah. It's on. It's on basically all your computers, PC, Mac, Linux, just not any consoles. But looking at it, it could be a tough adaption. Um, it's pretty. It looks pretty mouse centric. Um, but it looks. It does look interesting. Um, Hamlet. I'm not sure I'd want to do anything set in the world of Hamlet, though. That's not. That's not a good place. That's a. That's a bad place. That's a. It's not a Macbeth bad place. Like a mm-hmm. game set in Macbeth world would be. Oof. Would you Basically. would you say that maybe something is rotten in the world of Hamlet or <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Fucking you dropping literature bomb jokes on y'all. Yeah, well. I'll, I, I, unfortunately, I don't know any other way to be, James. If, if unfortunately if anybody says some, something's rotten in Denmark to me, then it just makes me think of last action hero <laughs> where Swanson is to be or not to be not to be he's taking out the trash Uh, yeah I um, I replied to this email directly I didn't think we would mention it on this show but uh, basically Karen is a uh, an English uh, doctor of English literature right and she wrote her thesis on uh, Shakespeare stuck characters and uh so, yeah, so obviously she's got an interest in everything Shakespeare still, and uh, just, um, uh, yeah. So Can I put this in front of her? I, I, we haven't played it yet, but I've seen some of, like, I've seen some snippets, some screenshots uh, on Twitter, and uh, of, like, people, that stuff that people thought looked funny or, you know, and, uh, yeah, she got a kick out of it, so we, we might play the full game. There you go. Yeah. I, uh, I, I I like when we get kind of recommendations for weird stuff, which you can also send to RFN and NintendoRollThePort.com. Um, because sometimes it, it does sometimes inform what I play. Like, I may not I may not talk about it on the show. It may just be something that I go like, oh, I'll take a look at that. But um, I think people have, have heard us talk about games enough at this point. They can probably make pretty well-educated guesses about stuff we might like. Um, and and we you know we can't follow everything. I didn't realize somebody made a Hamlet adventure game in modern English. Like, why would I have known about that? So now I know. Uh, as an aside, uh, we asked for recommendations on fighting games that are kind of like that would be fun for somebody who's not necessarily looking for um, you know like deep deep complex or goofy or like Smash Brothers style stuff. 
Um, SNK, I got to note that SNK Heroines is now like deeply on sale at Best Buy, at least in the US, <laughs> like, ha- like half off. Um, so my, uh, my waifu fighting game must not have been successful, but that's okay. It's available for you now on Switch. On the other end of the scale, is it December in Japan for Samurai Showdown? Apparently yep. it's preserving 60 FPS, but it is, it is, but yeah, that game, that game is going to be a tough get in. Yeah. I assume um, that's going to be really kind of hardcore, but you know, um, it looks cool. And it I, looks really cool. I kind of like hot- the... I kind of like the the weapon base, you know, the somewhat different kind of combat that, that isn't like about being frenetic or all. So it is more kind of considered. Yeah, um, the high level, high level. Um, Sam show play ends very quickly, but it it it's not like a fast fight. Like it ends very quickly in that it's like oh three moves and it's over. Uh, those three moves might take a while, but. <laughs> so once they start going, that game is pretty much over. Um, so yeah, you should definitely check that game out. Uh, it, it it could be wild, um, and who knows? Maybe it'll unlock your inner like your inner assassin, and you'll you'll be able to to see to see the seams of war and and make your move and strike people down and send your send your stories of bloody victory to RFN and Nintendo World Report dot com. <laughs> oh God, I tell you, if this is the old days, we'd be getting the bell every time you say that. You know, if I was editing, we might still get the bell, but <laughs> I might need a sound effect for it. Um, but that's okay. I'm going to go ahead and read the next two emails. Two. These are also our last two emails. Um, I'm reading them together because they have some similarity. Um, I'll take a little pause. Brendan writes, hey, RFN. Lately, I've been playing through a lot of classic games on the NES slash SNES classic systems. As you know, a lot of games from that era were extremely difficult. Not only because of gameplay, but checkpointing systems and game overs that made you start from the very beginning. I don't have time to put an excessive amount of hours into these retro games. I end up using save states pretty liberally. Take Mega Man 3, for instance. I was able to beat each challenge individually, but without save states, it would have taken a few days to get through the whole game. Should I feel guilty for using save states? Do you guys end up using them when you're playing old games? How much do you think it takes away from the experience? Do you think they're generally a good thing? I'm definitely putting too much thought into this subject. However, I do feel a little cheat. I do feel I've cheated a little bit when I use them. Have a great day, guys. I love this. I love this like self-flagellation about using a tool to take out what was somebody else's intended flagellation of yourself. <laughs> it's it's this like big circle of like you being whipped by somebody, by you or the game designer. Um uh, no, fucking use save states, man. Like these games aren't fair. Like it's they're they're designed mm. to not be fair. Yeah, um, in, in a certain amount of cases, it's because there's a various things that went into it. Some of it was just the prevalence of the arcade uh, paradigm in game right. design at the time. Even if it wasn't, you know, incumbent on home games like uh, to to be that way because you wanted to get all these quarters out of people it's just the kind of the the, it was the prevailing sort of philosophy yeah where the people who had made games learned to make games yeah exactly so even if it wasn't a conversion you know it was just a game in a sort similar style it just kind of bled into it. Um, and then you had games that were arcade conversions, of course. And then, as we've spoken about a number of times, 
uh, like to do with Contra and stuff, you had the whole sort of counter rental strategy that bled into the US market uh, eventually, where it's like, okay, well, now we, we need to make the, um, you know, American version more punishing because mm. otherwise the, your people will beat it in a rental and they won't buy the game. Um, and I think back on the subject of Ninja Gaiden, I mean, the original is infamously very difficult, but isn't it one of it's the sequels? Three. Yeah, Three doesn't that has like have taken out the unlimited continues? Yeah, yes. exactly. so so yeah, you have limited continues in a game yeah, like you that. Bastards. So you know, say for instance, you was playing you know Ninja Gaiden Three, even on like an old school virtual console type setup where you can just suspend the game rather than have save states. You know, the fact that it hasn't got unlimited continues would be a real problem. Because, you know, it's like, okay, well, I could come back to this any time, but, you know, with limited continues, you you have to chain together that kind of decent performance. Um, and, you know, probably would have put people off from, uh, from using it, from seeing that much of the game. And, you know, that's where, you know, on later virtual console services, you know, a save state functionality would kind of come into play for games like that and be useful. I mean, my feeling is it, it certainly there's nothing ethically wrong with it. I mean, it's, it's your, you know, you paid for it. It's your stuff. You know, use it it's however you will. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't advise like if I bought, you know, bought a film on Blu-ray and decided to like, like go from chapter three to chapter 16 like that's not very advisable, but I could still do it. It wouldn't be unethical. <laughs> it would. It but would if just it's be... a movie you've already seen and you know that cool bits are at chapter sixteen, and yeah, you then, see then, them. then absolutely, then just like <laughs> just do that. You bought it again, like just use it how you want to use it. Now, having said that, I get what's being said here from the point of view of like you know, if you get to a point where you just kind of completely glided through it based on some sort of exploit and what whether it be like through safe states or might even be just something that's like a, a weakness in the game design or something well, we'll, and we'll get to that in a second the you know that that kind of thing um you can end up feeling kind of hollow and it's a question of do you want to kind of make a guideline for yourself to make it more fun i mean i think it's just like you said you've got you're balancing different things here in terms of you know the time aspect you've got a limited amount of time to dedicate to playing games of any sort then you might feel like you want to limit the amount of that time that's spent playing old games versus newer things so you know it, it, it's always just expedient i guess to 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 use safe states uh, in some cases just so that you feel like you're actually accomplishing something or just sure. seeing something different rather than sitting but there also there, there, there's the fact that just uh um saving and reloading a quick save a quick save uh, can be boring in and of itself. So if you, if you overdo it, like if you're constantly just like loading up a save every time that you, uh, make a small mistake, uh, then yeah, you're ruining the experience for yourself. Definitely. Um, even like not beyond just the, the fact that you're, you're not quote unquote earning, uh, making your way through the game. But if, you know, if you're kind of, um, more, um, 
how do I say this? Not restrained about it, but if you, if you just tell yourself like, okay, I'm just going to save when I've mastered a section of a, a game, um, and you stick to that, like, you know, like, okay, so I got pretty good at getting past like this bridge section and, uh, I know that there's no checkpoint, uh, but I don't want to have to keep doing this bit over and over again. Yeah. And, like that, that bit has become essentially routine. There is right. no real challenge in that bit anymore. You get there, you know, with the same amount of health or whatever, like every damn time, you may mm-hmm. as well just make a point there and, 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 you know, go have that. It's like, okay, that's done. And now we move on to the next bit, which actually is going to be, you know, challenging. And you know, I don't know whether I'm going to be able to kind of beat it straight away, but, you know, it, again, you're cutting down on that almost like dead time. Of just yeah. like playing through something that, that holds no new surprises for you or challenges. It's just a matter of routine. I, um, I would say that if you're just not having fun anymore either, like if you're going to quit the game, like screw it. Use the save states. It's fine. Um, I, I've been, I've been kind of like on and off watching, um, this, this broadcast on Twitch. Um, uh, uh, the, the broadcast itself is Smite with a GHT. Um, who does these mystery triathlons where basically he takes a bunch of people in his in his sort of uh, circle and just subjects them to a race of three random games from emulatable systems that they don't know what's coming. And most of the time it's horseshit. And so the things that we we talk about with games are games that we want to remember and games where like we think about the save states and think like, oh God, you'd need that now. Um but there is some stuff in games that was just bad. And save states are kind of required. This Indiana Jones, the greatest adventure game that seems to keep coming up. Because is, he that, keeps finding- is that the, um, the one that was kind of like, it's essentially like Super Star Wars, but for indie on the Super yes. Nintendo. Yeah. Um, it's so bad. It's so bad in so many ways. And, the, and everything is so just slightly wrong with it. That if you don't save state that game, you're going to lose your mind. And I know that because one time the challenge was literally go in this door. And it took all of them the maximum 20 minutes to get through it because they kept falling and having to restart the fucking thing. <laughs> no, Sometimes I mean, look, games are just bad in places and save states make them less bad. Yeah, so, I mean, you could use them for, like, ad hoc, you know, particular things, you know, like, so if it's, like, it's a game where you're kind of running through it from you know start to finish and and there's just a bunch of levels that you know uh, there's something some weird sticking point because of you know the sort of sloppiness of the game design and you just want to kind of lop that off and like okay i've done it once i'm not doing it again or, or or there's some like scrolling shooters for example that you become too powerful when you have all your upgrades but if you lose them you cannot beat the game anymore <laughs> so like, especially, it's just not possible you know your gradius type scenarios where it's like yeah. okay mm-hmm. now you are really ridiculously slow and this is where actually more frequent checkpoints are bad because they lock you into being in the middle of the level barely being able to move <laughs> you see you've got very little chance of actually got so yeah i mean in that way you could actually use a save state you know to go backwards um right. you know to, to 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 save you from the sort of evil of these checkpoints that lock you into being disempowered uh, or, at really bad moments so or yeah. g- 
exploration heavy games you're like i want to see if there's something this way up oh, there wasn't let me jump back so i don't have to just crawl my ass back over to wherever it was but i like, think the, the kind of philosophy that i have with them um you know it, it, certainly you know, there, there's times where i use them um you know and then there's other times where i pretty much just play it as if i was playing certainly at least a game on like the wii virtual console as i said where it's just suspending it's just holding your place it is right. a, a, a a kind of loadable uh, save state. Um, but like the times where I do use them, I think it is mostly when I'm making some sort of rule for myself that makes sense to me. You know, and I mean, sometimes it's just kind of self-evident. I mean, again, Ninja Gaiden, famous example, it like establishes a precedent for like what happens when you die at the boss of a level. And then at the last level, it breaks that. It breaks its own pattern and you go yeah, back farther. It? So like to me it's an absolute no brainer. Like, no, I'll just use safe states to make it like every other part of the damn game to make it more internally consistent. Like I, I will definitely do things like that. Because to me it's just like, well, you know, that that it's very hard. For, to really argue against the, the notion that that's how it should have been in the first place. You don't establish that kind of pattern, that kind of norm, and then just piss on it right at the very end. I mean, it's bizarre. Yeah, it, it, it there's no reason to feel guilty about using safe states. I like think they uh, are... well, uh, guilty, absolutely not. I think the danger is that, you know, if you could, if you do sort of, give in to the kind of need for expediency a little bit too quickly there is a risk that you end up kind of seeing everything in the game without really experiencing everything in the game maybe from the from the point of view that you know sometimes you really appreciate the design of the levels and all these kinds of things when you do have to like go up against it a number of times and, you know, kind of uh, to go through it in sequence and see how it actually kind of evolves in terms of, you know, like what power-ups might be used or, you know, the way the enemies are placed or the bosses and all these sorts of things. And so if you just kind of zip through it in a very disconnected way, you don't necessarily get that full sense of, of the way the game was put together. But you know, like I said, I think that's a, that, that is something that can happen. But at the same time, if you just end up not playing it at all because right. you, you know, find yourself just in an uncomfortable place, like trying to play it straight up, then that's hardly great, you know, when you paid for something and you're just going to kind of not get anything out of it. So, you know, I think. It's, it's, for me, it's very much something that could be used in moderation. You know, I, I certainly resist just, uh, you know, um, indiscriminate use and I try to kind of keep it within certain boundaries that make sense to me. Um, but, you know, I think everybody's going to have different a different sense of you know what's appropriate for them and their time constraints and like i said it's going to vary by game you know sometimes the game almost just screams out for it you know like like this is nonsensical like the way this works doesn't make any sense so i'll just come up with my own like 
checkpoint system that does make sense <laughs> like, like escape yeah, escape route. yeah, yeah and, and put it that way like that that is a, a really nice utility to have and i don't think you should be guilty about it at all yeah well you have to go backwards at some parts in the messenger and the level's clearly not designed for you to go backwards like it's like this is fucked up. There's just let me save state here so I don't have to go backwards yeah, again. Well, you, it sucks. you do, you could feel that way with a game like that, even though it's a new game because it right. plays so much like old games that at it's this like, point, you know, I've got a sucks. lot of experience playing that sort of game where there is a save state functionality. I can escape this bullshit. Um, and but and, it, it and get- you can, and like it's even more so than like actual straight up Metroid style games. You can really find yourself just kind of like, you know, uh, somewhere off in like the middle of a thread and feel like, oh God, you know, this is going to be a real trudge back. You yeah, know, and that's that's because especially that, if you don't find anything well, when you get there, because that's oh, the kind of, we talked about it before. Is this sort of awkwardness of like the level design that's not really meant for retraversal, um, right? You know exactly. Um, you know, in certain elements like instant death pits and stuff that just yeah, it, it, yeah, the 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 the, the just sort of repurposing it for a retraversal based design doesn't really quite work. Right. So I want to touch on this last thing uh, because we have another email on a very similar topic. Um, and uh, Jason writes, James Jones, this one is mostly for you, oh boy. Oh, sorry. We're going to a different email because well, I, I, maybe uh, Brendan didn't want us to absolve him. Uh, maybe he was oh. actually uh, looking for like, uh, I don't know, not, not P- uh, punishment. punishment Cond- but, uh, condemnation. Yeah, yeah. Admonishment. So, yeah, so uh, I'll just say to Brandon that, um, you know, uh, by, by using these safe states, uh, you cheat not only the game, but you cheat yourself. You and don't your friends grow, and family. You don't improve. You take a shortcut and you gain nothing. You experience a hollow victory. Nothing is risked and nothing is gained. And it's sad that you don't know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> you can admonish Brandon. By sending us an email, rfn@nintendoworldreport.com. No, I was. Uh, I, I got to admit, I was imagining something a lot kinkier than that screen. <laughs> oh boy! You, you know, we people people enjoy what they enjoy. I'm not going to get into it. It's fine. I, I can't reach out and and uh, nope, actually nope, no, flagellate someone. Uh, we're, we're not. This isn't. No, no, this isn't. Reach out and touch someone. The podcast. We're and not having this. Reach out and, and shave them. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's where we're going well, at this point. Well, congratulations on naming the episode, Guillaume. We're all very <laughs> proud of you. Reach out and shave someone it is. Um, all right, we're going to close that with a very similar one. Jason, who writes, this one's mostly for me. Uh, I, I just repurposed I didn't want to say my own name. Um, hearing you talk about Ogre Battle and Ogre Battle 64 in particular reminds me of how I play SRPGs. I play them. I play and grind and oftentimes love the game until I figure out whatever combination breaks the game usually accidentally. The problem is, once I break the game, I can't enjoy it. I can't just make myself forget or ignore what makes the game so easy. What do you do in these situations? Also, as a huge fan of SRPGs, one of my all-time favorites being Final Fantasy Tactics and Tactics Ogre, other than 
the giant that is Fire Emblem Three Houses. What SRPGs do you recommend for Switch? I've already played all of this guy games. So just looking for recommendations I might not know about. Lastly, what the hell is wrong with you and your hatred for Tactic Sucker? I thought we were kindred spirits before that. Yours in disappointment. So I want to point out that I actually don't hate Tactic Sogre. I say I hate Tactic Sogre largely because of what it caused, um, which is that Matsuno never made, basically made two Ogre battle games and then got stuck by, well, Quest got bought by um, Square, and then he only made games in the Tactic Sogre style from that point forward. Um, and so there really isn't any kind of Ogre Battle 64 continuation. There is the, there's a Neo Geo Pocket Color game, Ogre Battle Gaiden, um, which doesn't even have a fan translation. There's a translation of the menus. Um, and then there's a PS2 game from the makers of Disgaea um, that's name I'm blanking on um, that's similar. But it's got Disgaea bullshit in it, which I actually like Disgaea, and obviously he does as well. But like, there even people who like Disgaea know that there is a lot of fucking bullshit in those games. Um, just, Just like... Like it's like getting an email from the game designer about halfway through. It says, "Hi, I made this game. I hate you," and then that's the whole email. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, but in terms of what's on the strategy RPGs on the Switch, because we'll get to the, the the meat of it. Um, he's kind of hit the big ones then, because um, there there are there are uh, a handful. Um, I've even reviewed a couple. They're just not necessarily ones I would recommend. Um, I know Mercen- the Mercenary Chronicles games are, are pretty well reviewed. It's cheap as shit. Mm. Um, Steamworld Heist is kind of, is kind of like a 2D XCOM. And of course, mm. there's the, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's out, it's, it's a little bit further out, obviously. Um, same with, same with, uh, Mario and Rabbids. Again, yeah, it's, that, uh, that, that's just, yeah, mm. straight up XCOM, right? The- uh, God yeah. Wars is not very good. I would avoid it. Um, Valkyria Chronicles 4 is kind of there, but again, it's different. Uh, the Banner Saga games are kind of different. Um, Isn't there like Shining Resonance Refrain or something? Shining Resonance Refrain is just a straight up JRPG. Oh, okay. um, so the Shining Resonance game isn't isn't um, Shining Force. It's it's just it's just called Shining. Okay. Um, it's it's. Uh, it's about 80% generic JRPG, 20% weird, awkward conversation from Yuma, who feels the need to tell us things like, war is bad. Um, I think that might actually be an exact quote. Um, war is when people are killed or some bullshit. It's bad. It's so fucking v- terrible. So, Valkyria Chronicles is, uh, I mean, like a little bit different, but uh, that would be a recommendation. Yeah. Uh, it, it and 4 are both, are both on Switch. They're both good. Uh, but... To your main point, they're both super breakable. Um, I'm gonna well, really don't, don't forget Chron- we got the image of Dark Crystal Tactics. Oh it's, yeah, it's coming in the end. It's of coming. This year. It's not out yet. The, the Netflix series is like going up now, I think. But the game, yep, I is, think it premieres tomorrow. Yeah, like the, it, really the, soon. Yeah, but the game is is some months away. I guess we'll we'll see how well that turns out. But it seems to be going very much for that. You know, kind of. Uh, classic sort of strategy rpg god wars is is also available i reviewed it i think it sucks um it's not offensively bad it's just kind of boring it's 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 kind of very boring um but i mean maybe you like maybe you'll like it i don't i don't know i think it i think it's just not very much fun 
Um, but yeah, in terms of breakability, I'm going to go ahead and ruin Valkyrie Chronicles for you. Haha, you can't stop me. Um, uh, most of Valkyrie Chronicles missions are basically get to the final flag and seize them. Uh, you can break that with the power of scouts who can run super far, but specifically Alicia, I think that's her name. Uh, she has a special power that lets her get two turns in one turn. And so she can double run distance, which means most of the game can be beaten by her just running to the flagpole at the very start of the mission on the first turn. Oh, and the game doesn't reward you with, quote, experience, which is just money. Based on how many enemies you kill, it's just how fast you clear them, meaning you can get money to, to level up all your classes much more expediently if you just don't play the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I guess the point is, is that, that's being brought up here is, uh, I guess, a little bit like you know, the, the, the overlap with the save state kind of point is that you know, you know it's there. Can you actually discipline yourself to either use it in moderation or maybe not use it at all? Um, you know, and I guess, yeah, in this case, it just proves too tempting to, uh, to actually ignore once. Yeah. I mean, it it actually punishes you if you don't in this case, like it's like Mm. you experience in that game is completely is just money and money is awarded based on how fast you clear the missions. And so if you want to clear the missions quick, well, there ain't no way quicker than having Alicia run her ass across the map. And one turn and just beat the game and not engage with the enemies at all. And then guess what? The few missions where you actually can't use that strategy, you now have maximally leveled up units who can just wreck fucking shop. Uh, so yeah, there, there is a certain weakness in there. Um, I talked about it with Ogre Battle 64, so it's relevant. When we did our retroactive, I mentioned there's a combination of units. Um, and I won't, I won't go into it because it, it involves like four or five different units that's super easy to make. Um, it's very easy to combine units into this combination um, because the game basically throws them at you. Um, and it's, it expects you, it's like a, a second tier class mostly. It expects you to evolve them to the third tier class and then and then leave them. I just put them in the second tier class and leave them there because this configuration is effectively infinite health. Um, you have somebody who heals all the damage that happens in every fight. And because of the specifics of how that game's fights resolve, where it's very algorithmic, um, I know what's going to happen with that combination every single time I engage, and I know they're going to deal mostly enough damage to kill enemy commander and not die themselves, and then they can re-engage with the commanderless enemy who's running away and finish the job. I know that combination works, and I know it works because my fastest playthrough of that game is like 28 hours, which is super fast for that fucking game. And uh, I basically just use that that permutation. I also know how to make infinite copies of the item that levels up a unit, which is a big fucking deal. <laughs> because, because it's not like rare candies in Pokemon, which I also know how to du- duplicate. Uh, it doesn't give you the stat boost. It just re- increases your health. Rare candies aren't actually proper level ups. This is a proper fucking level up, the champion statue. I could tell you right now how to do that combination of things to get infinite champion statues and also infinite money because you have to sell like a hundred of them for the glitch to work. So it basically just shatters that game into a thousand pieces. Those two things together are like 21 hour playthroughs of the game. Um, I used that, I used the infinite item glitch in the, our retroactive playthrough, but I didn't let myself use that combination, even though I always use it. Hmm. Um, and I just did it because, to his point, I had gotten bored. Of, I love Ogre Battle 64. I love it. Yeah. I adore that game. We know. There's a million things about that game that I like. I love all the fun systems. I love all the hidden secrets. I love all the crazy-ass classes. You have to do a million things to unlock the opportunity 
to have one of them. And you may fail and God even get it. And then you're just fucking screwed. Um, I love that. But there's no reason to engage with it with these this like really specific combination of things. And so by forcing myself to do something different, I got to experience that game in a new way. Nate, it wasn't like a whole fresh experience. It wasn't like coming in this game with virgin eyes. I still absolutely kicked this game's teeth in just because of what I know about it. <laughs> yeah. But um, I did it in new and fun ways. Yeah, it, was, in fact, it was a lot more of an interesting experience for you. That, that's the important point, isn't it? Because you was able to put that restriction on yourself, even though you kind of seen behind the curtain and like, yeah, right. you know, okay, that's there. That's basically instant win. It's a, it's but, a win mm, button. Yeah. But what I found is I found new combinations and ways to beat this game in more specialized tools, like not not this blunt instrument I have that just solves all the problems. Um, I, I built tools to solve specific problems that I knew were coming because missions where the game's like, oh, this is a cleanup mission. Don't worry about it. And then all fucking hell breaks loose. I knew 15 missions before it happened, it was coming. And said, well, I'm going to prepare for this, you asshole. You're not going to catch me. And and built things for it specifically. So I haven't done a playthrough since then. But if I did it, and let my, you know, took my restrictions off, I bet I would build not nearly as many of that one unit. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I personally really like finding exploits. Um, I do it a lot. And some of it's deliberate. Some of it's like... I, uh, but, and I, that is the difference between, you know, this scenario and what we're talking about with something like safe states where right. you've got a built-in functionality that's just explicitly there that obviously you can use to kind of bust the game open uh, if you're of a mind to versus something that you have to discover in some way, whether it be through your own experimentation or play or through conversation with other people who've played the game or online, you know, facts yeah. and wikis and stuff. So that that's different from the safe state stuff that's there straight away. And in a way that maybe it in, in some ways makes it harder to resist like the right. crutch because it, you've kind of, you had to find the crutch or kind of construct the crutch out of, you know, the, the, the sort of various pieces that a game, you know, kind of offers to you, uh, in, in the case like this. But, you know, once you've found it and constructed it or whatever, then it's like, okay, well, I've got this now. And it's just maybe it's not the, it's not the same kind of, compelling force to like mm, how about i come up with a different way to be you know it's like so, it's it, like i said uh, you know, with your recounting that playthrough like it can still be fun clearly i think for people you know, to, to sort of think you know can i solve this problem a different way can i come at it another way but it's not as compelling it's not like i've I, you know it, it just speaks out like oh i've gotta come up with another way and it might be too easy to just fall back to the to the one you've already got in the toolkit right and in that case because i had been grooming my my units away from that configuration i really couldn't go back like i i had locked myself out of it but that doing that was actually kind of freaky i was like okay here here we go um, I will say in Fire Emblem Three Houses, I'm on the last goddamn mission. Thank God. Um, that game is so long. Um, I got over reliant on Annette, who is a, who's a black magic user because I had given her an item that increased her magic range by four. Ultimately, she's slinging, ma she's slinging magic from like halfway across the screen. 
um, and that made her move further per turn. And she's also just really good as a black magic user. And there's a lot of units in the new weapon triangle super weak to that shit. And so she and the dancer just became this like two turn <laughs> world ending Death tool. Star. Yeah, like so, like she would she would kill someone on her first move because she was guaranteed to strike twice minimum, and then the dancer would give her a second fucking turn. And then she would annihilate whatever else was in front of her. And that actually became a problem at the end because I got to the last mission and it's just – there's a thousand units on the map. It's just fuck – it's a fuck you stage. And all Fire Emblem games end in a fuck you stage. I don't know why they just do. Um, and so she can't be successful there because it's just too much. And she has been leeching experience that other people should have been getting. Yeah, well, that's, so, that is the thing about Fire Emblem, especially if you play in, in a setting where – like the or, or similar games uh, where you play where the the sort of experience that can be gained is finite that you right. that yeah it's it's kind of you it is a, ma- a resource to be managed in and of itself and so yeah. yeah if you rely heavily on one particularly useful uh unit for killing stuff and it sucks up all the experience it does leave you vulnerable and you kind of even though uh, like so even without advanced knowledge of what the end level is going to be like, which, like you said, you could probably anticipate that something like yeah. that might be coming anyway. But even if you don't, you have to know you're you 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 know oh, yeah. you're you're leaving yourself kind of vulnerable. I I had three units that were all basically fuck you cannons, and um, like it just turned out that the game came up with the with a combination of just throw the sink at them, just everything. That meant I couldn't just position the three of them to just eat up the damage and then, and then eventually break the resistance. Um, because that's what I've been doing. Like I just used them plus one or two other units to just slowly break the enemy's will under the ever present grind of the Soviet army marching, marching west. It's just, just, just constant pressure to eventually I will destroy you. Um, this this requires a much faster hand, and that technique that technique just doesn't work when you put all your effort into four characters. Thankfully, I have I had a save that was like a about a month earlier in the game that I can just fix that problem. But it's like, man, I fucked that up, uh, and it is hard. I to your point, I knew what I was doing posed that risk, but I figured I've got enough tools in the toolbox that I can deal with with the fuck you stage when it comes. And I thought I did, and then it was like, ha you're not done yet. And then, then it was the true fuck you stage, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> like, I looked at it and immediately knew I was screwed. I'm like, oh. Shit. So on, a much, on a much sort of simpler note, much, much simpler note, I've, I've recounted this before, yeah, the case of um, Warrior World on GameCube where they, they have this sort of shoehorned on like continue thing where you just pay money, which is everywhere because it's a warrior game, uh, to continue that completely breaks the balance of that game. Um, yeah. you know, and I'd read about that in reviews and when I got it, I just said, well, I'm never going to use that. And it balanced out much better. And I don't doubt for a moment that I enjoyed that game a lot better than I would have done had I just kind of, well, it's saying I can continue, so why wouldn't I? You know, but I'm sure, you know, a lot of people, you know, when, when the game is literally kind of prodding you to use that, didn't 
do it that way and probably had a worse experience as a result because probably especially with a you know brawler type game which that is you know it has platforming in it but it's it's kind of brawlerish you know it really does become like just you know a brawler in the arcades where you're just like pumping more money into it and you're just dying but then coming back dying then coming back and it's just kind of this indiscriminate like button mashing but not even like particularly well kind of thing you know it's it just yeah whereas if you do put yourself under some pressure to like not be taking damage all the damn time and all that, then you could see it's not particularly like complex game or anything but you can appreciate what design is there in terms of you know the efficient ways to dispose of enemies and uh you know combine attacks and you know the the, the efficient ways to platform and and you know maintain your health and stuff without it just becoming a completely unthinking you know un just casual slog through stuff um you know and that that's it's something that nintendo signed off on which is not very not very them you know they, they don't not known for particularly difficult games but they usually do have a keener eye for balance than that yeah and and guillaume and i i think are still in a death pack to play to both play this game i think we both own copies of it Mm-hmm. Um, which may which may succumb to disc rot before we ever get to it, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh... it's, it's nothing earth shattering, but I don't. I can only imagine it's uh, much better, you know, if you actually because it's not even difficult. It's not a difficult game, but you no. know, it just just gets to the point of being completely brain dead if you can continue so liberally. But you know, I I think I think you're comparing the quarter munching approach of I can just continue as much as I want. Like when I beat the Simpsons arcade game for the first time, it was just because I had a stack of quarters. It yeah, wasn't a particular was, act of skill. Yeah, but there's a. Uh, I mean, yeah, th- those games don't require skill. They don't want you to get better. I don't know. Like there's I know, no, I know, there's no mechanics <laughs> there that you can get better at. Like you're supposed to back- mash a button. It goes back to our conversation about save states. Like some yeah. cases, that's all the game really wanted you to do is just, I want you to suffer. Yeah, so, there, was, there wasn't that much else there to appreciate. But in other cases, <laughs> you, something might be difficult, but you know, it was designed as a home game and you right. know, it isn't that way. And it's not always the most obvious on the face of it, you know, what you're dealing with. Um, right. you know, so some of it's a case of, I think doing kind of prep work on on go to read it around games and and finding out you know what 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 kind of game it is and whether you think it's appropriate to use those sorts of tactics and and I think it could be similar with with games with exploitable elements too you know yeah, it, I mean, it just kind of helps if you're I guess a little more in, informed about it going in you know maybe that makes the temptation lesser if and when you do sort of happen upon that uh, sort of mega exploit or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I'm never going to play Ogre Battle again without at least one exploit. Not because I can't beat it without it, because I did the first time. And I know that game way better now than I did then. Um, It's just, it's an expediency thing. Like, it's just, I can get through this game so much faster. It's not your first playthrough, is it? I mean, it's just just the way it is. It's kind of like, Like, Guillaume spoke about Crimson Shroud, like, letting you skip some things that you couldn't skip the first time. 
Like it's right. just natural. It's just like expected to a large degree when you're kind of going through something a second time or nth time, whatever it might be, that it's like, well, this isn't your first time through, so you don't need to see this or you don't need to do this, you know, and that's you know where the those sorts of like crutches or your blood is not required. Yeah, it can actually be helpful uh you know not just for getting through it but for actually enjoying a, a subsequent playthrough and it's you know it's not all but we do have we did have an email about this that we'll get to another day but uh where you know exploits and busting games open is actually you know a real sort of facility a source of you're know, facilitating enjoying the game rather than ruining it as we kind of been discussing here hmm. yeah before we leave, uh, I, I just want to say um, Jason might find more um, tactics RPGs or strategy RPGs on the 3DS still than the, the, oh, the yeah. Switch. Mm. So I haven't played a, a lot. It's not my favorite genre, but uh, I did play through uh, oh Shin Megami Tensei Survivor. What's it called? Survivor? Devil Survivor. Devil, Devil Survivor. Survivor, and the 3DS version is called Overclocked. Uh, yeah, and there was a second one as well. Yeah, there yeah, a sequel? yeah, so, yeah. The, so I haven't the, played the second one. I've played the first one. Yeah, the, I, I reviewed the remake, Overclocked, mm -hmm. um, on 3DS, because it was originally a DS game. And the DS game came out in North America right around the same time its 3DS remake came out of its predecessor. Because yeah. Atlas had no idea what it was doing at that moment in time. Yeah. Um, but so. it's a it's a good game. I, I really enjoyed it. It's um, and I I wouldn't say that it's a, a good game for beginners and with the genre. But I, I'm not very good at them. I'm not very good at Fire Emblem. And um, no, I had a good time and I managed to beat uh, Shinman Game Tensei. So, um, but m maybe I, I just enjoy that game's world more than I do Fire Emblem. At the end of the day, it's pretty. It's a pretty cool world. Mm hmm Hey, I, I, I think uh, I kicked uh, Belzebub's butt towards there the end go. there. So <laughs> is Belzebub? Yeah, sure. Let's go uh, with that. Yeah, let's let's do that. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us this week. As always, you can send your emails to RFN and NintendoWorldReport.com. I've given you a lot of homework, so you should probably get started. <laughs> I can't even remember all the things I asked you to email about, so I'm not even going to bother. Um, uh, I don't think we have anything to plug right, any, right now. We we don't have any um. We don't have a telethon pot. I mean, tell Jesus. We don't have a retroactive. We don't have a a Patreon podcast coming out. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's it. So, Greg, what is our music to end the show this week? Uh, there was radio trivia we did already Shit. mention. But oh right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Johnny's uh, there. New episode. Uh, well worth checking out but yeah on the game music subject um now the as i think this episode comes out we will be in the fabled month of september this year which is just insane for games uh so th these are just some of the things that came to my mind from looking at the coming soon section of the switch eShop. but this is by no means comprehensive we have torchlight 2 Final Fantasy VIII, River City Girls, Creature in the Well, Star Wars Pinball, the aforementioned Damon X Machina, AI The Somnium Files, which is from the oh, uh, 999 uh, yeah. you know, um, Zero Escape series creator, uh, Nino Cooney, Link's Awakening, 
Contra Rogue Core, remember that, uh, and Dragon Quest Eleven S, of course, uh, that Guillaume already spoke about as well. To, to name a few, it is going to be quite some month. Uh, and so with being mm. so kind of bombarded with like releases to kind of base the music around, I thought, screw that, I'll base it around the entire month. Because 13 years ago, or whatever it was, Elite B Agents included a cover of September by Earth, Wind mm. and Fire, a more kind of up-tempo version to fit the, uh, you know, kind of rhythm game uh, construct a little bit better. And the scenario in the, in Elite B, each time you would, the, the, the uh, Elite B agents were kind of cheerleading people to fix problems. And in this case, it was a weather person trying to make a oh, this one a weekend with their child nicer by like doing crazy things to get rid of the clouds <laughs> so usually like electric fans yeah it's uh that that's what elite b agents was it was wacky and a lot of fun but th- this was definitely one of the better covers of the bunch um like i said just kind Agreed. of took it and made it more suitable for the purpose of a rhythm game so that's the version we'll be hearing here of a song that back then was like nearly 30 years old and now is (laughs) is like more than 40 uh but why not it's gonna be a hell of a september this 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 is very true all right well that will do it for us uh, I guess John just isn't going to make it. I, I really wish he just showed up right now. <laughs> hey, guys, what's up? Uh, it's, uh, and I'll have to miss him next week because I'm out for the start of the NFL season. Because I'm going to enjoy the fact the Patriots aren't playing in the first Thursday night game, even though they should be. But the Centennial saved me. Oh, perfect. So uh, we will have a guest. Uh, maybe, maybe. And this, I'm, this is me putting pressure on him since he technically offered and I haven't officially asked him. Uh, maybe Johnny will have some updates from some of the stuff that will be at PAX West this this weekend. Hmm. It's a, it's a surprise that may or may not be relevant, but we're not going to edit it out even if it isn't. Ha ha! Uh, bye everybody. Bye. Bye bye.